For our podcast viewers, thank you and welcome into Hoopsville as well as we just hit the record button for you live broadcasters. Again, we'll repeat our guests for tonight on this Thursday edition of Hoopsville. Ryan Gould from Trine, Michelle Ferentz from Whitman, Charlie Just from Spalding in our WBCA Center Court segment, Landry Kalsmalski from Swarthmore and Tom Curl from Plattsburgh. So regional rankings came out this week. As we know, of course, it's the first week's regional rankings. I wouldn't put too much stock in them as of yet to some degree. Um, that is not a negative per se. That's just more of a reality type thing. There's a lot to uh, change, that uh, can change in the next week as not all the data is used. And I was talking via text to one of the chairs and that was what they stressed. They said, listen, Lots going to change. We don't have all the data that we can use, rightly or wrongly. We don't have results versus regionally ranked opponents. And I think for a lot of people, or for a lot of teams, I should say, that is going to be a, a interesting line of demarcation. And one example that came up on the board today was wondering why Lycoming was ahead of Swarthmore in the rankings. And when I looked at the numbers, for the most part, they're a wash. Both teams are 18-3. and three. Both teams have identical SOSs, Lycoming a 5-12, Swarthmore a 5-14. They've only played one common opponent. It is Hood. They've both beaten Hood. Um, Lycoming twice, once in a blowout and once in an overtime match. Swarthmore blew Hope out as well. Um, and so really you're splitting hairs to some degree. If you had results versus regionally ranked opponents uh, right now, or let's say next week, Lycoming will be 1-0. In that category, and Swarthmore is either going to be two and three or three and two, depending on how they do with Hopkins. Um, Hopkins, who just beat FNM last night in double overtime, uh, to continue to make the race at the Centennial Conference a little bit more interesting. So, with that data, I would probably put Swarthmore first. Now, secondary criteria: if you had gone that far and at least looked at non-conference uh, SOS, at least the numbers that we see from our friend Night Slappy. I would have given it to Swarthmore. They've got a 577 non-conference SOS to a 470, I want to say, non-conference SOS for Lycoming. Here's the deal. If that, those numbers are accurate, and unfortunately we weren't able to figure that out from the NCAA, it may be something we ask about. The tells me that the Centennial Conference SOS is poor, and it tells me the Mac Commonwealth Conference SOS is strong. That might change some points of view in the Mid-Atlantic region. On the flip side, it drives home what I've been saying, that Lycoming hasn't had much of a schedule to talk about this year. If their non-conference SOS is about a 470, it drives home, though, that Swarthmore definitely went out there and challenged themselves this season. Why is Lycoming ahead of Swarthmore? All things I just said considered. Well, I guess maybe the non-conference SOS wasn't as big a factor as secondary criteria. There's a likelihood they made a decision on primary criteria, never got to secondary. I don't know because I'm not privileged to those conversations, nor would anybody obviously tell me. I, I don't think they should. Um, but that's one of the reasons why I at least picked it as a pick em. Now the Another com question comes out of the Northeast. I want to look it up before we get to it. But if you do have questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville and much, much more. Uh, top 25 came out as well. I don't know if there's anything all that surprising in that category, um, but we will certainly take a look at that. But we've already had results in that top 25 as well that uh, have resulted in losses. Maybe that's not that big a surprise. 
Um, let's see here. Um, number four, Whitworth lost to Whitman. If you did not get a chance to see the late night game on the West Coast, shame on you. Excellent game between the two. Pretty much what I predicted. And I mean that in the sense that when Whitman beat Whitworth at Whitman, I had a feeling that Whitman would not have as easy a time of it, especially in the second half against Whitworth at Whitworth. And that was the case. Came down to the end, jokingly said off air um, with the colleagues that it was going to be the first one to 100 that would uh, end up being the winner. And it was as Whitman won 100 to 99. Uh, Some Whitworth fans don't like the last call, to be honest with you. It was pretty accurate. Uh, sending Howell to the line to shoot for two. Wouldn't say the officiating was tremendous, but some of the bro- the broadcasters got in a bit of a rut um, criticizing the officials. I think a couple times they were such in a rut that when it was a good call, they couldn't admit it was a good call um, in particular, but that's just my two cents for take it for what it is. Otherwise, I thought it was a really good game. Roach played very well for Whitworth. Uh, my only qualm with him is that he can't be the only answer for the Pirates. Uh, he scored nearly a little under half the points for Whitworth in the game. I think he finished something like 21 of, of 28 or something, 45 points. Uh, a couple times he took shots early in the shot clock while his team was running the offense. Uh, he seemed to be on his own mind, but that was only a handful of times. Uh, it did cause turnovers, but he also hit some big shots. Played some pretty good defense. He was called for the last foul. I'd argue it was either him or his teammate who came over to help. One of them was going to get called for something. Uh, Howell, you know, good. He certainly hit a shot late uh, that made a difference. Butler had a steal and a shot and a layup late that made a big difference. But Howell was, at the end of the game, basically putting himself in a world of hurt. And in my opinion, Whitworth kind of gave him an out. By fouling him, I think the way he was headed, that was not going to be a made shot. And if it was, God bless him. Let him hit it. Uh, But he goes in line and hit both free throws, though, in a clutch situation to hit. So congratulations to him. It was an excellent game. Certainly worth the battle. I've been slowly but surely moving Whitworth up my pole. Uh, Last week they were 16. I'll move them into my 10 to 15 range to be sure. I think they're a 10 to 15 range team. I think they've proven that. They do miss Lester, though Lester comes back next year. Both those teams are going to be pretty good next year. Uh, I'll move Whitworth up a bit with that loss, um, but I don't think they're a top five team like they're currently ranked. I don't think they're a top 10 team, but they're certainly a top 15 team this season. Uh, other losses that took place, you have to go further down. Illinois Wesleyan lost to Wheaton. Wheaton came out and won 107-95, shot pretty darn well from every report I've read. Wasn't able to watch that game. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan picks up its fifth loss. Stevens Point also lost to Platteville, picking up their seventh loss. I, I, I don't know what to think about Stevens Point. Listen, their defense is clearly in play because the Platteville game was 56-47. So clearly Stevens Point is winning games by defense. Uh, That's their seventh loss, though, at this point. Uh, At this point, they have won uh, 68% of their games. I don't know if that's a top 25-worthy team, to be blunt. They're clearly doing well because they're tied for first place in the the WIAC. That is not a knock at them. I just don't know what to make of it all. Uh, but Stevens Point will have Stout coming up this weekend. Whitewater also lost again. They're now 16-6, and six, lost to Oshkosh. I've been working them down my ballot. They are currently 14th. I might just cut bait. They can They are now, I want to say, 4-4 four and four or 3-4. and four. So 4-4 four and four in their last eight or 3-4 and four in their last seven. I just punt, 
punted Baldwin Wallace for the same thing. I will probably punt Whitewater. Frostburg lost to Hopkins, as we mentioned, 89-86. What makes that interesting is Hopkins now could end up being the number one seed if they get past Swarthmore this weekend. Uh, Hopkins, under a new head coach, is, is turning the centennial on its head a little bit. Um, Franklin Marshall has Washington College coming up this weekend. Those were in the top 25, so not a terrible lot of losses. Outside the top 25, Emory and Henry continues to slide. Lost to Guilford, 79-64. I believe that's three straight. They're now 18-4. and I'm a little bit worried there about the Wasps. Uh, a good team, but they seem to be losing ground here. They've got Randolph making a tough ODAC game coming up. They may lose control of the ODAC altogether. River Falls lost to Stout again. They're now 14-7. and River Falls struggling. Uh, I would suspect the voters will stop voting for him. Ohio Wesleyan lost again. They're now 15-7. and Ohio Wesleyan, as good as the battling bishops were at the D3Hoops.com Classic, and as good as they were up until that point, they are the polar opposite since. They are 15-7 and losing to Hiram. They've got Worcester coming up on Saturday. They're going to have to win the AQ to get in at this point. I don't see any chance Ohio Wesleyan gets in otherwise. And those are your top 25 results um, for you uh, on the men's side. On the women's side, actually some some turnover there. A lot of discussion about who should be ranked and who shouldn't be on the, on the uh, Twitter sphere this week. A uh, handful of losses. Number 14, Illinois Wesleyan also lost to Wheaton. That was a surprise. It's Illinois Wesleyan's third loss. Muhlenberg lost to Haverford. That's a huge win for Haverford in the Centennial race, 52-44. And Oshkosh lost to number 17, Whitewater, though that's a battle of 17 v. 18. So maybe not a surprise there, except for it was a 12-point spread. And the only other loss was in the receiving votes category. RIT lost to Ithaca handing them their fourth loss of the season. But let's talk about regional rankings. First off, we know there was some glitch on, on the NCA site. We have to kind of go through it in detail and let them know the details. But uh, some of the some of the in-region records were incorrect, but we can solve those. New Jersey City is number one, Cabrini two, Ramapo three, Montclair State four, Gwinnett Mercy five, NJC, NJC, NCNJ six. A little surprising in the Atlantic region, but there's a lot of losses in that region. I thought Cabrini would be number one. I think the data sheet would tell you there um, that that is probably a um, an SOS conversation. New Jersey City has an outstanding SOS for a change, whereas Gabrini has an improved but not nearly as good SOS, if memory serves. I'm calling it up uh, as we speak. Cabrini with a 533. That's about what they've been able to do of late, but a 566. That's a two game difference on the .03 to two game. There makes up the two losses. Uh, but I think a lot of change in the Atlantic region once results versus regionally ranked opponents comes out. Central region, Wash U in the lead. No surprise there. Platteville, two. I'm not surprised by that with Augustana, three. Maybe a little surprised by Augustana being in the third slot. I think that's going to come down to an SOS conversation. Augustana with a 579, for example, whereas Illinois Wesleyan, who they, who has split with them, has a 544. So I think that was a big reason that Augustana ended up third. Stevens Point also because their SOS was fourth, Illinois Wesleyan five, Oshkosh River Falls North Central, and a not, half of them I think have lost already this week. In the East, Hobart won. Not that surprising. Plattsburgh State is two. They've won 14 straight. Rochester at 13 and seven is a little bit surprising. Again, it's going to be based on their SOS, and being in the UAA is helping Rochester. I just don't think Rochester stays in that slot. 
They do have a 568 SOS. I just don't think they'll stay. Uh, Cortland at four, Brockport five. At this point, we're down into the you've got to win to get in category anyway. Lancaster Bible ranked at eighth at 18 and four. Uh, might have surprised a few people. I think for Lancaster Bible, it, it came down to they at least have four only four losses. Their SOS is still abysmal at 445. You got to improve your out of conference scheduling as we talked about, but the NEAC also does not help their own whatsoever. Uh, Great Lakes, Wittenberg one, no surprise, they're undefeated. Worcester two, John Carroll three, Marietta, Ohio Northern, Baldwin Wallace. You could start splitting some hairs here. Uh, the difference is the HCAC is eating themselves, and as a result, they're not in a position to get more than one team in. Mid-Atlantic with York first. Lie coming second did surprise me considering their SOS is a 5-12, but Swarthmore's is a 5-14. Hopkins maybe can leapfrog them, especially if they get a win, which would be really impressive for Hopkins. Uh, coming in, though, Hopkins has, I mean, the big thing of the SOS numbers, not that they're the only thing, but Hopkins with a 528 has a better winning percent or SOS, but not within a range that will allow them, I guess, to leapfrog anybody else. It's not with a, it's not 0.02 better than the other guys. Northeast, Middlebury one, I'm not surprised. Hamilton two, not surprised. Eastern Connecticut three, not surprised. There's some conversation about Springfield being at seven. Uh, we got a question from somebody saying, hey, Springfield, why, why isn't Trinity ranked? They've got a similar record. So I, I, I'm doing this off the top. Springfield is 15-6 and six according to the NCAA. Remember, games this week don't count. With a 544 SOS, you look at Trinity, they're 15-7 and seven with a 548 SOS. So the SOSs are a wash. Um, the records are equal, I would argue, if not similar. Uh, one extra loss for Trinity, and, of course, Springfield has their win. There may be some common opponents in there that I'm not factoring in. Trinity did beat Springfield, so you would think maybe Trinity would end up being ranked and when Springfield is ranked as well, but maybe there's some other factors that I can't dive into just off the top of my head. South I was a little surprised by. Uh, Randolph-Macon uh, and Emory and then Emory and Henry. Uh, Sol Ross State's coming in at fifth. That's an SOS conversation for Sol Ross State, to be blunt. Um, but I was a little surprised Yodak was getting that much love. Uh, that said, results versus regionally ranked opponents may change the equation. West is an obvious one. Whitman, no surprise at one. Whitworth at two, then St. John's at three. I would be curious, and, and looking at them now, what the SOS conversation with those teams is. For St. Uh, John's, the, the SOS for them is a 524. For Whitworth, it's a 511. So considering those two numbers there, I would would have thought maybe St. John's goes up, but Whitworth has two more wins, and that very likely could be the factor. That said, um, you know, St. John's has a game they didn't play against a Division Three opponent. Those numbers could change. Whitworth now has picked up an extra loss, though so has St. John's. Um, well, they picked it up before those rankings, to be honest. So that may flip. And, of course, results versus regionally ranked opponents. Right now, Whitworth is at least 0-2. Maybe they have other results in there. I'm not positive. I think they played North Central, did they not? And they're currently ranked. So a lot of things going on on the men's side. On the women's side, maybe some questions. I didn't see a lot. Um, there was one that jumped out at me. I was surprised that Rochester had the edge on RIT, considering they're equal in numbers. RIT has the win over Rochester. I think that comes down once again to being a um, conversation about um, SOSs, and Rochester is going to have a pretty good SOS over RIT there. Uh, in no surprise in the West, I'm not all that surprised in the South. 
Northeast was pretty obvious, in my opinion. Mass Dartmouth sitting sixth, I think, may change some conversations coming out of Mass Dartmouth. Uh, their SOS numbers aren't as great as I think many wanted to expect. Uh, Scranton being on top of the Mid-Atlantic is no surprise. Uh, Haverford not being in there kind of surprised me, especially with a team like Albright. That may change, though, especially with Haverford now with a win over Muhlenberg this week to add to the resume. Great Lakes. Hope did surprise me. Uh, I was a little surprised by that, considering Trine has split with them and Trine sitting in fourth. Uh, I didn't think Hope would be number one. Um, maybe that's a DePaul number in my category. But again, it comes down to SOS, and we'd have to look at that. Um, so some interesting results, but again, a lot is going to change. Now, I did get a question from a viewer, and we're going to have to get going here, but I want to answer this one. Um, says in the uh, unrelated, if you have time about record versus region ranked opponents, I know that comes into play next week. But do games played prior to this week during the season count, or is it just games from this Wednesday on? And how does that play into the formula? All right, for for starters, let's correct something. Remember how regional rankings are done. The data is taken through the Sunday of the week. So the, the rankings were through last Sunday. This week's rankings, or next week's rankings, I should say, will be data through this coming Sunday. The regional committees meet on Tuesday, hash it all out, come out with their rankings. On Wednesday morning, the national committee then gets together, reviews those rankings, has conversations, makes adjustments if necessary, and releases them Wednesday afternoon. So the data is based on Sunday. So anything that takes place Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday has no relevance on those rankings. Per your question, results versus reaching ranked opponents is year-round. As long as someone is ranked. And remember, it's a twice-ranked, always-ranked scenario. So week one won't necessarily count unless somebody comes back in week three and is ranked, but it's a little bit of split in hairs to some degree. However... Or actually, I think it's the last two weeks. I'm sorry, last two weeks you're ranked. Count, not the twice ranked, always ranked. I apologize. Scratch that out of your mind. Ignore that, folks. The last two weeks, weeks two and week three, if you're regionally ranked, then you count. Moving on, my point being, as long as you have a result at any point in the season against a team who is regionally ranked is the easy way to explain that. It does not matter that you have to have a result versus them the week they're regionally ranked. That makes no sense because not everybody can play them. It's just a matter of if they are regionally ranked, then you have a result against them or multiple results, as some conference opponents would, and that is factored in. I hope that makes sense. So don't worry about if they're if they fall off the rankings. So in week next week's rankings, we'll look at week one. And whoever has a result versus a regionally ranked opponent, that data will be included. Week two's rankings are then produced. And week three shows up, they will look at week two, basically ignoring week one. When the final rankings are done, they will look at week two and week three at who is results. And then it gets a little more complicated from that, but we, we won't dive into that. But basically, week two's rank, regional rankings will, will depend on the results versus regionally ranked from week two. One. Make sense? If they're ranked in week one and you have a result against them, you will have data for that category in week two, win or loss. Lots more we could talk about. Surprisingly, I'm not getting a lot of comments about it as of yet, but we rank up those comments and questions as the season goes along. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will get things going with our guests this evening. Our first one, 
on the women's side will be the seventh ranked and fourth regionally ranked Trine Thunder women's basketball team. Just how good are they this season? We saw them at the D3Hoops.com Classic. We'll get an update. You're watching Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoops will after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. On this Thursday evening, the start of the Olympics as well. And we hope if you're an Olympics fan, you're enjoying that while tuning into us as well. Uh, we're big Olympic fans ourselves and finding ways to tune into the Olympics in South Korea during this uh, time of year is fun for us. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Forgive the scraggly beard. Uh, just one of those weeks where we haven't needed to shave as of yet. I uh, thought so, but I had a game due to weather uh, postponed last night on to today. Uh, can't make it today, obviously. Well, that's just the way it is. Um, and a reminder, next Thursday we will be putting a podcast together at this time. It will not be live. I have to be somewhere else to help pay the bills, so just look for a podcast next week instead. All right, so let's talk women's basketball with one of the top teams in the country. Darn good basketball team. We saw them in Vegas, and they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Amherst. 
Yeah, they may have only scored 12 points in the second half, but it wasn't like Amherst was putting up a lot of points either. They're the seventh-ranked Thunder of Trine, 21-2. Fourth-ranked, though, in the regional rankings while leading the MIA. Surprised a few people. We'll talk more about that. But joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline is Ryan Gould, head coach of the Thunder. And, Coach, thanks for taking the time. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Dave. It's great to be on the air with you. Well, I appreciate it, and we always enjoy having you. Uh, first and foremost, you guys can not only what, in my opinion, did something in the fact that you you impressed me against Amherst in Vegas, but you've kept kept that going. You Yes, you lost the next one out against Hope. Sorry about that. Uh, but you revenged that loss against Hope just the other day on the 27th by three. Interesting enough, you two split on the each other's court, which is not the easiest thing to do. From your vantage point, is this the season you expected? It, or is it okay to have those two losses, as it were? Well, I think if you look at look at the two losses, Amherst is obviously on a 55-58 game winning streak. <laughs> Something like uh, that. <laughs> ranked number one in their region, number one in the country. And then Hope's only lost just the one game to us, and they're ranked number one in their region. So, you know, we never want to drop games, but we felt like it was important this year to try to schedule some tough games if we could, and that's why we were really excited to get out uh, to Vegas and play someone as good as Amherst. I know we've talked about that game, and we don't want to hang on it too much, but what really impressed me was, A, you're almost like an Amherst in the sense that it is all about the defense, and it is about stifling an offense and about limiting their opportunities. Well, so is Amherst, and so it turned into a chess game, it felt like, at some point, where not a lot of shots, how can we slow things down? Yeah, you ended up not hitting as many shots in the end, and Amherst ended up pulling away for the victory by five. But it really felt like you two were just – it was a it was a battle of wills at some point. Yeah, very much so. I mean, we – when we started, you know, the program here a couple of years ago, we looked at, you know, what makes a team like an Amherst or a Hope or a Calvin, what makes them good. And, and what we really learned from doing that was – those teams all have a very strong defensive mindset. And so we've tried to copy that, so to speak, and, and really focus on being strong defensively. So it was, it was a tough game to watch if you're someone who wants to see a 99-95 <laughs> type of game. But it's something that, that we've grown very comfortable to playing those types of games. And it was, uh, it was a great experience for us as a program. What's also interesting is you have five seniors on this team, but it's not necessarily the seniors statistically or in games that you lean on. You're led by a junior in Brandy Dawson at scoring at 14.5 points a game, hauling down 6.5 rebounds a game on top of that. Haley Martin, a senior, 10.5 points a game, 6.5 rebounds a game as well. Uh, and then a sophomore in Katie Steers at six points, Mon Montana Martin at six points, a junior, and Cassidy Williams, a junior, at six points. And by the way, six points with this team, that's double figures for everybody else. Um, and they're both hauling in rebounds themselves. 3.3 assists a game for Cassidy. Uh, two, and a, two assists a game for Katie. Um, you, you definitely um, have a lot of options, and it's not the senior class necessarily. It's a, it is an interesting dynamic in that we've never had five seniors uh, over the past four years. So it, it's exciting to have a large group like that and, some of them, you know, maybe aren't playing as much, but they really set the culture and set the tone of our program. Um, you know, Jade Abens uh, started the first three games of the season. 
while Haley Martin was out with an injury. Uh, Kayla Freeman is this another senior who started the last uh, five games after our point guard um, went down with an injury for the rest of the season. Uh, and Kayla actually led us in scoring last night. And then you, Ashley Elliott has started on and off for us over the past couple years. And then Lucy Sayre is our other senior who is probably the best culture kid on our campus. So it's a, it's a senior class that takes a lot of pride in, in helping to build the program into what it is right now. And it's, it's a group that as the season starts winding down, you know, we really realize the impact and how much we're going to miss that group. Well, and that group and having five seniors plus the underclassmen stepping up has resulted in a lot of depth for you. In eighty, in more than 80% of the games, you're playing 12 players. Now, granted, defensively, the way you guys attack, you want to be deep to some degree, but you're being rewarded in that depth this year. Yeah, and it's shown a couple times where we've had players go down with injuries or illnesses or whatever you know may, may be the case. We've had other other players who are ready to jump in and contribute right away. And, and I think that's been a benefit of us relying on them over the course of this season and last season. So when they do have a more uh, advanced role, they're ready for it. And we've seen a lot of, a lot of good results from that. And we do, we take a lot of pride in our practices being competitive and, and rewarding as many kids with, the, with playing time as we're able. So trick question, what aren't you doing well? <laughs> it's, we, we have not been, and you saw it a little bit out in Vegas, we have not been consistent on the offensive end like we need to be. Yeah. Uh, we've had some really good stretches and, and some really strong halves and a couple really strong games, but we have not been able to, to carry that over as, as often as I think we need to. Uh, and that's something we've spent a lot of time uh, working on here the last, the last couple weeks to try to – find a little bit more of a flow on the offensive end because that's going to be really important here down the stretch. You don't necessarily shoot you know, incredibly well from outside the arc, um, below 30%. You don't shoot incredibly well from the free throw line, 67%. But then again, Amherst doesn't shoot very well from the free throw line either. Uh, it's almost seeming to be a commonality. Does that, is those kinds of things put even more pressure on the defense? Absolutely. It's, it's something where we go into a game, our mindset is to, to hold a team under 50 points every time. Uh, we feel like if we can do that, then we can find enough offense to get us into the 50s and, and low 60s on a pretty consistent basis. We just can't afford with the way we shoot the ball at times to get into a lot of shootouts. Uh, those games definitely do not favor us at all. And so it does put a little pressure, but it also puts a little extra focus. You know, the, the, the girls know we have to put a lot of time into our scout. We have to put a lot of time into getting conditioning in during the week so that we are, we are able to wear people down a little bit on the defensive end and make it difficult. So the goal was to, to take some, some tricks in, of the trade, as it were, from teams like the Amherst. You get Amherst a, in Vegas, did, and that was your last game. Did that one kind of – did, did the disappointment, as it were, of not being able to, to beat them uh, end up rolling over into hope, or was that just kind of bad luck? Well, I think there's a couple things. I think dropping that game against Amherst, while it's disappointing, I think in some ways it, it gave us a lot of encouragement as far as if we can go toe-to-toe and compete with a team like that, you know, then we're capable of probably – 
competing with anyone in the country that we would face. The downside is you got to turn around, fly home. You have a couple days to get ready for Hope, who also is someone that can beat anybody in the country. So it's just, you know, scheduling-wise, it maybe it wasn't great, but that's also something that you may see in a MIAA tournament or yeah. in the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament where you see two high-quality programs back-to-back. So overall, I think it was a great experience for us, as great as an experience can be when you drop two games together. Sure. Uh, another question about the offense-defense playoff or playing off each other. The defense is good. We, we see that. You're, you're doing a great job of stifling teams, but the offense isn't necessarily high-powered, and it's not going to necessarily go and blow anybody off the court. But does that almost play that double-edged sword that, well, as good as your defense is, you're still letting teams stay in games that maybe they shouldn't still be in? Yes, I think that's something that, that's really shown here in the last couple of weeks in conference play. We've had a couple games that you know we had chances to really separate ourselves in the first half, holding a team to maybe 15 or 16 points but then we shoot the ball poorly or shoot from the free throw line poorly. And we go in, you know, maybe at a 28 to 17 game where, where a team like hope that game's probably 44 to 17. So I think it is something that, you know, we, we recognize as a group, it's just something that has to play out. We just have to have someone knock in a couple shots early and, and release that tension a little bit. And the days that we do that, we're, we're really fun to watch. Uh, two games left to go. Both will be at home. You've got a half-game lead currently on Hope. Uh, Albion and Calvin, not a factor at this point in time, but you would love to wrap things up and bring it through the very nice new facility uh, that you guys have. But Albion and Kalamazoo at home, I know there's the focus is there, but what's the message to the team? Well, for us, you know, Albion is 16-6, is and six, just coming off a really good win against Calvin. And they're a team we played three times last year. This will be our second time this year. So we're very familiar with each other. Uh, Coach Carden has a really good group. Um, I think she's right now starting four sophomores and a freshman. They're very talented. Um, Their offense is is the opposite of us. They they can get into a really good flow and score easily. So we're going to have to put a lot of focus into that game Saturday. Um, play our best, and then thankfully for us, we have the bye next Wednesday so we can get some kids some extra rest and then then get ready for senior day in in our final game of the season against Kalamazoo at home. So obviously a lot on the line, and and as you know, if you want to compete to to win the MIAA, that's a conference that is very, very, very difficult to win. Um, I think last year we won it. It was the first year in 25 seasons that either Hope or Calvin didn't win the league. So a lot of pride in being in this position, but knowing we still have a lot of work to do to be able to get ourselves another piece of a conference championship. And finally, before we let you go, as I mentioned, brand new facility, MTI Center. uh, (laughs) A lot of people jealous, though we all joked in the MIAA, it's it's a decent gymnasium. I mean, Hope and Calvin have some pretty darn good ones themselves. But how hard is it to shift locations? Uh, you're now, you know, your home court is still feels, and it maybe not anymore, but at least early on, it didn't feel like the home court. It, it probably felt like a, a visitor's place for a while there before you got used to it. How hard is that to do midseason? It was, it was difficult at first. We flew back from Vegas and had a couple practices in 
before our first two home games. So it felt maybe a little bit like a neutral site there for the first couple weeks. But we've been able to practice consistently in there for the last five weeks now and start to feel a little bit more like home and shot the ball better than we have at any point last Saturday against Adrian. So it's something that, that is, is a little different than what, what you go through in most years where you play half your season in one gym yeah. and then finish in the other. Um, <laughs> the MTI Center, though, a $13 million facility, it's definitely not something that we wanted to wait on. We wanted to get in there the yeah. day we could. It's a beautiful place. So we're really excited to be in there and, and make it our home moving forward. Yeah, from what I've seen, it's only okay. I, I don't really think you got your money's <laughs> worth. I mean, the, the 4K screens in the in the middle of the of the ceiling. I I, I don't. You know, it's not it's not Cowboys yeah, Stadium, million. sir. Yeah, thirteen million just doesn't go. As no, far as it no, needs it to. just doesn't. No. <laughs> Actually, I would say in your case, that thirteen million went a long way. Um, yeah, I, I did. I did forget to ask. Rankings, you guys ended up being fourth in the regional rankings. I know that they're the only the first ones. They don't mean that much. But I am. To me, it was a little surprising with a split against Hope. You might not have been a little higher. Were you a little bit surprised by that? It, well, if you look at our region, you're looking at four of the top <laughs> yeah. seven teams in the country. Yeah. <laughs> so you're sitting there with Thomas Moore. You're sitting there with DePaul and Hope. So I think those three schools have combined for three losses this year. Yep. So it's a very, very tough region. Uh, so, you know, we're hoping to, to be in the mix in the top four. You know, we'll have a couple opportunities here at the end of the season to add a couple wins and then get into the conference tournament. And we're definitely the kind of team that's willing to, to fight for it and, and earn our way up the ladder as much as we need to. So we're, just, we're excited, honestly, to be anywhere near a conversation that includes Hope, Thomas Moore, and DePaul. Sure. No, I can understand that entirely. Uh, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about the team. Uh, obviously doing very well. Not, I, I don't think that maybe surprises that many people. Congratulations on, on a tremendous season so far, and I know you have a lot more work ahead of you. Uh, if you. We do always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, just thanks, thanks to you again for having us on, be able to talk a little bit about MIAA and trying, and just for everything that all of you guys do to promote division three basketball. And, you know, we're coming to the most exciting month of the season. And, and I know we're very excited about it as I'm sure all of you are at, at D three hoops. So thanks again for having us. And hopefully we'll talk again down the road. Absolutely, sir. Thank you very much. We'll talk soon. Take care of yourself. Thanks coach. Or thanks, sir. I appreciate it. Ryan Gould joining us on the city of Salem hoops. hotline. Uh, again, trying just two losses, one of them to Hope and one of them to Amherst. That's not too bad. Seventh ranked in the country, 21-2, and 13-1 in the conference. By the way, they would have had a game-and-a-half lead on Hope. Did you see the finish last night? Uh, pretty spectacular, to say the least. Bear with me. I want to get a, something off the screen. There we go. If you didn't get a chance to see this, this is how uh, this game finished yesterday uh, between Hope and Calvin. It came down to the end. 1.4 seconds left. It's at Calvin coming out of a timeout. Hope is inbounding the play. And here is what happened next. Buchanan with a heck of a shot puts it in past the defenders for Calvin. A wonderful throw in, I may add. That is how they're still a half game behind trying. Lose that, and it's a different conversation all together. 
Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll stay with the women's conversation. We'll head out to Whitman. Uh, their head coach joins us. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Back with more Hoopsville after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment, the game winning shot that gets you to the dance, a monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope uh, you're enjoying this Thursday evening show. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show as well. I know Dane Key McKee has been watching. I know uh, Ted Stone, Lou Monaco, uh, and some others have been watching the program. We appreciate you taking the time to do it. All right, so we're jumping out to the Northwest Conference. And, yes, the Whitman-Whitworth men's basketball game was pretty darn spectacular on um, Tuesday evening. But the other game that no one was really maybe paying attention to at the same time was the women's game where, once again, Whitman is in control of the conference after they beat Whitworth 83-49. They now have a two-game lead on George Fox. Willamette, Lewis, and Clark are just following along and then Puget Sound. We've been used to the Northwest Conference being a tighter race than this, but it's just one of those years, and Whitman is certainly taking advantage of it. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of the aforementioned Blues, it is Michelle Ferenc. Coach, thanks for taking the time. 
Dave, how are you? I am well. I hear it is a beautiful weather up there in Walla Walla. Yeah, we are. Um, you guys are having all our winter for us. It's uh, gorgeous <laughs> out here. You should come visit. I, I'm I, telling I, you. I know. No, you're right. I've gotten to Portland, and I do know it's a beautiful area. I need to make an actual trip out there to see some hoops. Um, I would argue we're not getting much of a winter here. It's all been ice. I love snow, but... There's people in Minnesota, yeah. Wisconsin, Michigan, Illinois, and, and the rest of the Great Lakes right now who are just glaring at me. I think they're about to get hammered with a blizzard tonight. So yeah. I'll take what I have. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Um, yeah, you know, I didn't know what to make of this conference at the beginning of the season. I know there was a coaching change mm -hmm. at Puget Sound. Thought they might still be competitive. They're about 500. We knew George Fox would take, in their version, a step back. They're still 18-3. and three. Uh, mm -hmm. 20, 21 and one for you guys undefeated in conference at 13 and zero. is this what you expected? Did you guys think you'd have a two game lead and about to, and pretty much ready to wrap up this conference at this point in February? You know, I, I don't know, you know, what we thought we, we had a nice core of kids coming back. Um, you know, obviously we, we lost two very important players last year and we were a team that was definitely on the rise last year, yeah. you know, and the, and the conference was, um, you know, it was just a battle all the way through. And so, you know, we just got better and our seniors played really well. And, and so I think we our, our returners are building on that, you know, that momentum and the confidence they gained uh, from playing so well at the end of the year. And, you know, we're still young. I think that, you know, the conference is kind of an interesting um, – it's interesting because I, I still it's tough. I mean, it's yeah. still it's still the Northwest Conference. The travel, the back-to-back -back nights, the uh, you know even it's 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 crazy. Um, you know, there's night matchups. You know, we still we have Fox on Saturday and uh, at their place. Uh, it'll be a tough one. And you know, um, and then we get to we're right now at the very we're we're three out of four of our our really long road trips. So. Um, you know, so Fox will be the end of it, and then we get to be home next weekend to right. finish things up, and then you know, um, into the conference tournament. But you know, it's you know, I don't, I I think we felt like it was going to be us. We'd be in the mix, and our seniors have played really well again. Um, that's what you want. You want your seniors to step up and lead. And then we've gotten great contributions from some of our younger kids. We're still pretty young. A lot of sophomores, a lot of freshmen, so um, that are contributing, and that's that's been key. So. Uh, and, and Fox the same way. We got you know a couple upperclassmen, but they're they're relying on a lot of sophomores too. So um, it's not always pretty when we match up. Let's put it that way. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not always pretty, but uh, you know, but it's the kids are playing pretty hard, and and I think both teams have gotten a lot better. Yeah, and, you know, and as you said, with underclassmen, who knows what next year brings? But that's what's yeah. scary about it is you have all these underclassmen who are once again contributing to a squad yeah. that is senior laden, it just tells everybody we're not going away. Yeah. I hope not. I mean, I, you know, that's what you want is you want your young, your younger players to build off of what your, what your seniors, you know, do. And, you know, we will, obviously we missed, you know, Lisa and Chelsea were a big part of our program last year and, and they just played awesome all season. And, um, you know, we're different without them, but, you know, we've had some kids really step up and, you know, obviously Casey and Casey Post played really well. And, you know, um, but we also had the opportunity, you know, Casey missed our first three games of the season. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we had to go on the road for three games without her. And so uh, we had, we, we had some other players have to really step up and get through some games. So um, a couple West region games, which I was, you know, I think the, 
conference wouldn't have been real excited if I dropped those. So, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was, uh, told Casey, I go, you and I are not going to be real, very well liked. Um, but anyway, <laughs> but you know, so it, it was, it's been an interesting season, but I have a lot of fun. They, they just keep getting better. And that's, that's the joy of doing what we do. So is, is watching their growth. So. And that's and that's half of what I know coaches tell me is, is the most exciting part for you, and I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at what you've got accomplished so far, uh, you're 21-1, yeah. and one, your one loss is out of division in against Eastern Oregon to start the season. Um, you also have a handful of other non-Division three games, so it kind of gets hard for, as we've talked about, hard for all of yeah. us to truly gauge. But you've got a win over Trinity, Texas. Wasn't really all that close on the road in Texas, and you've been in control of this conference, having at least beaten George Fox once now with the return trip coming up. This is this has got a lot of nice little things to it that you can build upon. Oh, definitely, and and the confidence builds, and um, I think our you know our players, you know, we we saw this this stretch, you know, this these these four games. Um, you know, eight game, eight days and four games all on the road and, and none of them close because nothing's close out here. Oh. And, you know, and, and the drive's nice. That is, yeah, <laughs> it is. It's a pretty drive, but yeah. it's a long drive. Right. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and I like a, you know, we, we looked at this as like, okay, this is, this is really a huge challenge that we need to prepare for. And, you know, Lewis and Clark and, you know, where we started it at and, a, a very, very good team, very senior, you know, a couple of very good seniors on that team. And, um, you know, they play hard. And so we, we just knew that this stretch was not going to be easy. And it was a kind of took it as a challenge. And um, the kids have really responded well and they're, they're playing well. And yeah, you know, um, consistency. I mean, we've been very consistent. Um, there are some nights I was listening to the trying coach talking about how, you know, struggles offensively. There's nights where I'm not, sh- our offense is is a struggle. Um, but we seem to find a way, you know, to, to get it going eventually kind of thinking us we can defend and rebound. I'll say that. So, um, and, and, but you know, that's the thing. And in our, and our defense, you know, a little bit like Fox, you know, we, we rely on our defense at times to get us going and our rebounding, get us some, some easy looks. And I'm really proud of how this team has adjusted. Um, I think we've been a really good second half team. We've mm-hmm. come out of the locker room, and made adjustments um, and been a better team in the second. That was really key at Trinity. You know, um, Cameron's got just a great team. They're young in spots, but they've got yeah. he's got tremendous athletes. And um, you know, it was about a six or eight point game at halftime. I can't remember, but it was it was still fairly close. And we just made a couple adjustments. The kids just did a great job, and that that's that's kind of been our pattern. We've been able to make some adjustments and build on them in the second half. So. Yeah, so it's it's been fun. It's been it's been a fun year, and and you know, hoping it keeps going. So, uh, you talk about a team that's averaging seventy seven and a half points a game with three players in double figures <laughs> and a fourth that's almost there. I mean, again, you got choices. And Casey Poe, seventeen yeah. points a game. Makana Stone, thirteen, ten plus for Emily Rommel. You've got choices, and that makes it tough defensively. Yeah. It really does. And, you know, and last weekend, um, you know, and, and Megan Martin off the bench has just yeah. been incredibly consistent. Um, just, um, you know, got a, a great, great lift of um, our guard play last weekend at Lewis and Clark and um, Pacific. You know, they kind of clamped down on our post players, which, you know, I would too. I mean, I, that they're putting up the points. And um, our guards, you know, Maddie Burdett and Kaylin Shamsaldine and Taylor Chambers, is including Casey, Sierra McGarity, they just really – 
kind of took up the slack and, and showed that they can score too. So, um, you know, that, that's what we have, but I mean, that's how we have to be. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you have to be that way. You're not, if you want to compete at the national level, um, if we can get out of the Northwest conference, you know, you, you've got to be, you've got to be versatile. And obviously, you know, Casey's having a great senior year and she's, a a great player, but so, you know, Emily and Sierra, my other two seniors have been just incredibly solid. McConaughey just keeps getting better. Megan's played well. I mean, you know, that's the thing is, yeah, we do, we do have some weapons that if one, one person's having a night off uh, or an off night, then, you know, it seems like somebody else is really ready to pick the slack up. So, um, but that's what you need if you want to win championships. So. Of course, the men's team, uh, they're not doing too shabby themselves. Uh, number one no. in the country and undefeated themselves and a heck of a game against Whitworth, as we talked about. The one thing I thought about today, and, and I've been sitting here trying, I can't remember where the heck the darn information is for me. One of you is going to be able to host the NCAA tournament if all things stayed equal. One of you is mm-hmm. going to have to go somewhere else. I don't remember who it is this year. It's just one of those mind blanks right now. I usually have that memorized, but it alternates. It, it, that's one of those unfortunate situations. When do you even start broaching that topic as either one of you two as coaches and teams to start getting your guy, your, your teams prepared for one of you hitting the road? You know, to be honest, I don't even think about it because it's above my pay grade. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it is, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, last year we went on the road and packed our bags and, missed, yeah. you know, that's we why were I think you're home a, this time. Uh, yeah. You know, and I, you know, we went to UPS, you know, what, one, two, three consecutive weekends or Fox. I mean, it was just ridiculous, yeah. you know, and we were just, then we ended up at, at St. Thomas and, you know, I, I, we don't even, we don't even talk about it. We don't talk about it with the players. We don't talk about it as a coaching staff. It's I, at some point in time, I'm sure my athletic director will say something, but <laughs> you know, um, yeah. at this point, at this point, um, I guess, you know, for, for the college, it's a great problem to have. Yeah. Um, you know, because the town has gotten a little spoiled over the last few years. They've had, you know, either us or, or Eric's program hosting. And um, there's been, you know, Wall Wall's not a, not a, it's not a huge town. No, so, huge. I mean, it's, it's, it's not huge. And, and we have a great community following. I think people have really enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun and it's been a great atmosphere. And, and so, um, you know, I think it sounds, you know, if, if we don't end up hosting, you know, for some reason, and it's not our year, if we just don't earn it, you know, obviously than the men would. So I think the, the town and the college are sitting pretty good right now. I don't yeah. think they have much to worry about, but yeah, it's a good problem to have. I mean, I, to be honest, I am, we'll, we'll go where we need to go. Well, in <laughs> hindsight, we I now remember the men hosted last year. So you will have the first yeah. rights to that this year in the first weekend and it will flip in the second. So Eric's going to have to take his team on the road most likely. But I, I, I just know mm-hmm. that that is one of those things that's eventually dealt with because you're both playing so well. You're both going to be in a position to host at this point. And I know you guys yeah. would both love to be hosting that second weekend as well. Um, yeah. You've got three games left. George Fox, obviously yeah. the big one coming up here on Saturday. Yeah. And then you got a week and mm-hmm. you take on Willamette and Linfield at home. As you said, you'll get to close at home. Is there a yeah. specific message you, you're driving home to the team at this point? Yeah. You know, um, we, we talked a lot about, you know, as you go through a season, this is, there's been a lot of uh, challenges. We've, we've played really well in big games. We've not even in the games we haven't played, played very well. We found ways to win. And, you know, um, you know, Fox is always tough. It's a great environment, but it's the kind of environment you got to win games. And if you want to, yeah. if you want to get to the goal, 
and this team wants to win games in the NCAA tournament. So they want to get back to the Final Four, and that's what they've put out there. And so now, you know, we're focused on the fact, okay, this is this is the fun time. This is winning time. You know, this is the time you've you've really worked hard for, and you put you've you've done a lot of the right things, and now you just go you go for it. You go win games. You can't worry about losing. You go win games because there is no tomorrow if you start lo- if you start thinking about losing. And so that's kind of what we've been talking to our team about. And they've been great. I mean, they they've been they've been really focused. And you know, we'll have to play well on Saturday to beat Fox at Fox. We know that. And so um, and then we have Willamette and Linfield. Um, Willamette is probably the best Willamette team we've played against ever in my tenure here. I mean, they're they're really good. And so, you know, on a senior weekend in Linfield, we had a tough time with Linfield. They've got some size, and we we didn't play very well at their place. But, you know, they did some things to make us not play well. So yeah. we still have challenges ahead. And the good thing about the Northwest Conference is, you know, if you win games in the Northwest Conference, you can win games, period, because, you know, there are no nights off, and this year hasn't been any different. So and our kids are used to that. So, Well, I'm, as always, impressed, and it's getting to the point where my question every year is, okay, it's not a matter of when, it's a matter of where do I interview Eric and where do I interview Michelle. Um, it's it, you got to pace them out, uh, and, and it's impressive. And what you have done in 17 years there is certainly apropos of what we're seeing now, and granted, Northwest Conference has been fun to watch for a couple of years on the women's side especially. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you got to just you now. We just got to get you to follow Eric and have and have you come down to Vegas yourself. It's you know it's actually on the on the list. We okay. um, actually looked at trying to do it next year, but oh, um, no we've got uh, we did look and oh. but our conference schedule starts right after, and so we can't quite get there. So we're going to travel before, but we're hoping hopefully the next year come because on. we would like to. We're but we are going to Santa Cruz. We are going to try and hook up with. Um, it sounds like he's got uh, Todd's got some teams from the East Coast coming out, okay. possibly Williams. So Ooh. we're gonna do that before. But yeah, so get a NESCAC matchup or, or two, you know, and you know, and that's what you you need. You need those. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with what you know the coach from Trim was saying is you you need to you need to travel. I mean, that's part of the reason we wanted to go to Trinity. You know, we had no idea when we scheduled Trinity that Trinity. You know, we would see Trinity in the tournament, in the, you know, in the round of 16. Yeah. Oh, by and, the way. You know, we, yeah. Oh, by the way. Hey, we'll be at your place again. Um, but, you know, um, but, I mean, Cam does a great, he's got a great program. He's got he does a great job. And those are, those are games on the road against good teams that, you know, you build from. And so, and, you know, in, in our, in our problem, our struggle is just trying to afford to do as much as we, we would like to do because we end up having to fill our schedule with, you know, the NAIs that are around here. So we just can't afford to do <clears throat> a complete D3 schedule because of our location. But, you know, we, we do Eastern Oregon is number seven in the NAI Division Two, and we we played uh, Carroll College out of Montana, who's a top 25 team. So we, we, we want quality. I mean, that, and that's, you know, that's what we got, you know, in our games. So even though they don't count necessarily in strength of schedule, they helped us get better. We got and, we got to talk to Eric about getting. He's got an old D three schedule. We got to figure this out for you. We can do it for you. We, we can do you it. Know, I know. Well, you know, you talk to my AD when you know when he, <laughs> you know, and, and ask him. Yeah, because we we just haven't, you know, we just haven't been able to get it get right. it done. And um, but I'll, we're trying. I'll make a trip to the we're Northwest trying. for games if you get me. If I show up, you got to get me a meeting with the AD, and we will make this work. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've got all the power. Clearly, Coach, I can yeah. solve this. Problem. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll I'll go for it. And I, yeah, we would love we would love to get down to uh, get down to your your well, we'd love uh, to have you. tournament. We yeah, would love to have you. It's on it's on the radar. It's on the radar. So, um, and, you know, always a good it's always a good excuse to go to Vegas. So. That's true. That's true. And and Eric has shown it can be a pretty good thing too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time. Always love chatting with you. I have a feeling, sinking just a suspicion that we'll be talking to you down the road. Um, but I as hope so. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, you know, not really. I mean, it's just I'm I'm excited. This is the best time of year, and yeah. um, you know, it really is. And and it's it's what you work for, and it's. Uh, what your kids have been working for and um you know we're we're all about just going out and making the most of it but um we're looking forward to uh to the the tournament time our, our team is uh they definitely like the big games and i think they're excited to, to get to this part of the season and and have what's ahead so i'm um, hoping uh always you know you just hope you make the most of it sure that's, that's all you can ask so but um and yeah and so hope and i, I hope we do talk again soon dave because that means i'm still playing so. <laughs> that's true that's true that means the season's not over um, goals, right? <laughs> exactly. And I get them. Yeah. I get it. I totally get it. Well, enjoy yeah. your 60-degree weather in Walla Walla. Enjoy the rest of the season, and we will talk to you soon. Great. Well, thanks, Dave. It's always great to talk to you. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Michelle Ferenc joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Again, they are undefeated in Division Three. 21 and 1 overall, 13 and 0 in conference play. George Fox on the road coming up Saturday, then at home the following weekend against Willamette and Linfield. We'll see how they finish off the season and how the Northwest Conference race or the tournament wraps up from there. Going to take another break when we come back. Spalding's men's ba- women's basketball coach, he used to be also a men's basketball coach, will join us in the WBCA Center Court. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. 
Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show on this Olympic night. Uh, if you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, great talking to Michelle Ferencz. Appreciate her taking the time to do that. Uh, speaking of women's basketball, every Thursday we have the WBCA Center Court segment. Uh, this week, a, a little bit of a different segment, as it were. Uh, we got a chance to talk to a coach who may not be completely successful in the sense of a Michelle Ferentz or a GP Gromacki or the like, but the person is still rather involved, been involved in Division Three basketball to a, lo a, a lot, but at the same time has been successful in their conference. 40 years, the head coach of Spalding, uh, Coach Just, has been involved, and to say the least, he has been busy. Um and they've gotten to NCAA tournaments themselves, and they've won SLIAC championships. Sometimes it's just a different vantage point. He's also been in coaching for 40 years in Division II, Division III, men's and women's. His story is fascinating, and we talked earlier today. Now joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of Spalding. It is Charlie Justin. Coach, thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Um, so 40 years of coaching, uh, for anybody, that's a significant amount of time, uh, for yourself, it's been, uh, maybe a road less traveled to some degree, but also a very, um, uh, windy road. You're here at Spalding. You've been here for, for a little bit of time. You've got to be kind of happy where you've settled to some degree. Well, it's been an unusual situation for, for me personally, because, uh, all 40 years have been in, uh, the city of Louisville yeah. and, uh, oh. You know, I've had uh, two different stints at uh, at high schools. Uh, I coached at Bellarmine University for 18 years, and I'm currently in my 13th year at Spalding. So um, pretty special to be able to, to spend those 40 years in your hometown. I was going to say, that's a very unique um, road, not to mention the fact you started in Division Two with women. You then went into men. You went back to high school. You went to Division Three. That enough is an interesting road. But the fact you haven't left the Louisville area, certainly uh, makes it a little bit more unique. Was Is that just a, a, a decision that you made that you didn't want to leave that region? Or is it one of those that the jobs just happened to work and you liked the area and there wasn't any reason to necessarily leave? Well, Louisville is my hometown. Um, I went to college at Ohio Northern University, um, but I'm originally from Louisville. I love the city. I've got a big family there. And uh, when I first, uh, first got out of Ohio Northern, I went back and uh, my first seven years of coaching was at a uh, – uh, girls Catholic High School, Mercy Academy. Mm -hmm. And um, then uh, from there, took the Bellarmine job for 18 years. And uh, just, you know, I just, uh, I really enjoy where I'm at. If I could not have stayed in Louisville, um, you know, I may have given up coaching at that point and done something else. Basically, Ohio Northern was as far as you were going to go. <laughs> yeah, and I enjoyed, I had a great experience up there. But I yeah. uh, was really excited to get back home and to have the opportunity to coach there was, uh, you know, that was a blessing. 
Yeah, and you started all four years at Ohio Northern, all-conference selection, I think, in the last three, scored 1,200 points, uh, still hold right. the, the record for single-game assists and career assists. I think you had a pretty good career at Ohio Northern. Yeah, it went well up there. Yeah, Everything yeah. was pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you get into women's coaching, obviously, as you mentioned, through the high school ranks and whatnot, but you were at Division Two. Uh, was at Bellarmine for for women's coaching, and then you you shifted to men's. What, what mm-hmm. was the draw to? I mean, I can understand the draw to men, not necessarily, but what was the reason for the switch? <clears throat> you know, I had reached a point. Uh, we'd had a lot of success on the women's side, and uh, I just I saw an opportunity, and I kind of reached a point where I felt like I was getting a little bit um, flat, for lack of a better word, in terms of just my my motivation on the women's side. So. Uh, you know, I looked at that as an opportunity to try something a little bit different. Um, I enjoyed it. It was a, a really good experience for me. Um, you know, we had some success, but, um, you know, that, that was my reason for switching. You left the women's program with 299 uh, wins. Do you, do you regret mm-hmm. not getting that 300th? <laughs> at Bellarmine, that is? Well, n- not really, no. That that really wasn't a factor for me. I've, I've picked it up more than oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, extensively since then. But, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, no, those were a great 14 years over there. But, uh, you know, I just, I felt like I wasn't maybe as, as excited to be doing what I was doing when I, I decided to make that switch. Interesting. Uh, you then sw- you then left the men's and you went to high school again. Uh, high school seems to be the base for you to maybe recharge your batteries? A little bit, yeah. yeah I actually took a year off, um, didn't do anything. And then uh, decided to take the uh, the high school job at Holy Cross just to get back in it, and pretty much made a, a choice at that time that I was going to stay with the girls. And uh, so we did that for two years, and then uh, had the opportunity to come to Spalding. Uh, a friend of mine, Roger Berkman, became the athletic director and um, talked to me to see if I'd be interested in trying to to kind of see if we can get the program turned around down here. And uh, it was uh, it was about a three year process to do that, but uh, once we we got everything rolling in the right direction. It's been good. And that's the interesting thing. Um, you are now been at Spalding, I believe, 12 seasons. Certainly been uh, successful by your degree. Um, what's the difference in the men and women that you found, uh, in the things that is, that makes the women's game for you uh, a more attractive job, as it were? Oh, that, that's a tough question because there, there's – there's things to both sides that are, are good, and then there's challenges on both sides as well. Um, you know, I, I just feel as a whole that, that I've had success, and I can't speak for anybody else, but um, I've had success relating to the women. Uh, I enjoy coaching them. I enjoy the emotion they bring to the game. Um, I, for the most part, they're very coachable. You know, they want to they get better. They're willing to listen and try to do the things you ask them to do. And uh, it's just been a good fit for me. Um, but, you know, that being said, uh, the four years that I did with the men were, were fun years. I, I, you know, I enjoyed working with the guys that we had. They were great young men. Uh, but, I, you know, there's a difference in the games, and I just think that uh, maybe after doing it for as long as I had to that point, um, women were the, the better fit for me. And you've obviously decided to settle in and enjoy uh, the, the coaching on, at Spalding. We got to see you back, I believe, in the 2013 D3Hoops.com Classic. Uh, this is a program that has its ups and downs. You've had some spectacular seasons. You've had some rougher seasons, but they've never been 
too bad. You certainly have been competitive in the slack and whatnot, and that's, I assume, enough to keep those batteries as charged as possible now. Well, that is, you know, that's always that's always our goal is to be competitive in a conference. Um, you know, Division Three is is like any other level. You've got uh, you've got some programs that that have traditionally been very very strong. Um, you know, it's it's kind of tough to break into that and to get you know to get to that level. We've had some teams that were were close to that, but uh, you know, our goal year in and year out is to to have a chance to win this conference. And if we win the conference, we'll be back in the tournament. If we're good enough, we'll advance. So uh, um, over the last ten years or so, we've done a, a nice job of that, and uh, you know, I'm very proud of where the program's at right now. Uh, you kind of segued a little bit there for me perfectly. I was kind of curious. You certainly have the experience in D2 and in D3. What are the differences? What are the similarities? Uh, similarities would be that, you know, it, it's still the same game, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you possibly play play at a, a little bit different level, just depending on your program. But, you know, the, the idea is that we're doing the same things here that we did at Bellarmine. And, uh, you know, maybe sometimes we don't do, do them quite as well, but it's all relative in terms of who you're playing. Um, you know, that to me is, in difference-wise, I, I, the biggest difference in Division Three is just recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're non-athletic scholarships, obviously, and, right. and that's something I bring up to every player that we talk to. That's that's the first thing that I talk to them about is, you know, you have to understand that this is – this is our situation, and um, you know you've got to be able to make this work, and, and we can't help you with this. Um, so that to me has been the only downside for D three. Um, it's harder, but the plus side is you're getting players here who really want to play the game. You know they're not coming because I'm giving them an athletic scholarship. Uh, they're coming coming to play basketball at Spalding because they really want to play basketball, and that that in itself is um, you know that's. That's something that's really helpful when you get on the floor and start start getting after it. Talking to uh, the head coach of Spalding here in the WBCA set, uh, center court segment, it is Charlie Just, and you talk a bit about the recruiting. That's kind of where I was going to go to next. And do you are you finding you you were recruiting the same type of players anyway? It's just a matter of enticing them to either in D two take take a somewhat of a scholarship. Obviously not the D one scholarship, and in Division three, it's about talking about being a true student athlete to some degree or whatever you're trying to sell at Spalding more than anything. I think so. Um, the thing I've come to love about this level is just the um, the balance that it brings to the student athlete's life. Um, we work just as hard right now um, at this level as we did at Division two. We just don't do it for as long. We can't do it in the off season. Um, our goals are the same. They haven't changed over the years. And, uh, but, you know, I do think our students have more time to do the things they need to do academically. I think they can have a life outside of basketball. And for a lot of these, uh, these young ladies coming out of high school, that's very appealing. So, um, you know, we try to play on that part of it as much as we can. What's the biggest challenge that you now face in the years that you've been coaching that has changed whether it be in the game or whether it be in recruiting that you've had to adjust to? Oh, that's a good question. I, you know, the game is always evolving. I mean, there's always, there are always rule changes. There are always things that, that make the game different than it was just a few years back. And I think one of the things that has helped me is I've, you know, I've been able to make most of those adjustments fairly well and fairly quickly. Um, you know, as I said before, and I, 
for me, the the most difficult part, just because, um, you know, we're so competitive, we want to make sure we're getting the right players in there. But uh, the most difficult part for me is just, you know, trying to find those players and being able to convince enough of them that uh, a Division three scenario would be a good one for them. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes you find those players in a given year, and, and they're all looking for the same things that you're selling. But, um, you know, other years uh, it doesn't quite work out that way, and you just got to work that much harder to, to try to find them. Let's talk quickly about the season. Uh, you guys are right in the, the SLIAC race here. Uh, this, you may have a 9-12 a and 12 record, but you're in a two-way tie for fourth place and only a handful of games back of third. Greenville leading the way at 13-1 in conference, and Eureka at 10-3 and three certainly seem maybe like a long reach. But there's a lot to still play for here. There is. This, uh, no question, this has been a challenging and, and difficult season for us. We knew coming in we lost six seniors a year ago who uh, were very successful in their time here. And um, we knew coming in that this team, you know, it would take some time to grow. Uh, unfortunately for us, it took longer than we had hoped. And uh, we put ourselves in, in a bad spot uh, the first half of the year. And um, what I'm happy about is our players in the last three weeks or so have really started playing some good basketball. Um, I hope it's not too late. Uh, we are tied right now, but I don't think we're in the best of positions considering what we have left and what uh, you know one of the teams that we're competing with has. So um, you know, we we know right now we've got three conference games left, and we need to win out. If we uh, if we do that, we'll have a decent chance of, of being back in a conference tournament and have a shot of, of doing well. And for the most part, that's the most that's the most important aspect of this is give yourself a chance, right? All right. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. if, if uh, we've got 10 teams in the league and, and only four compete in the conference tournament every year, so the goal is just get yourself there and give yourself a chance. Uh, with our league, we do. Uh, this conference is a good conference, uh, but we don't have a reputation that's going to allow us very often to have a uh, an at-large bid to the tournament. So, and, and I think that's true of most Division three leagues. Sure. So, yeah. you know, if you if you want to get in, you've got to win your league, and then to do that. Obviously, we have to reach a conference term. Yep. No, absolutely. For a lot of conferences, that is the way to get in. Coach, appreciate taking you, taking time to talk about your, your evolution, as it were, through coaching and, and uh, on the women's side of things especially and, and the different aspects of it. Fascinating to always hear those things. We always take time to, to chat with the coach and, and ask questions at the end of it. Um, that we ask a lot of our coaches. The only difference is, not that you would know, but we're going to trim down our usual eight or nine questions to a handful. But uh this isn't that complicated, but are you willing to have a little fun with us? Oh, absolutely. Sure. Uh, like I said to most, it's a, it's off the top of your head stuff, so whatever you think of. But we'll start, and I think you've touched on this already, uh, but what is your favorite thing about coaching, especially in Division Three? Just the balance. I love the balance of Division Three. the fact that uh, young ladies that come in here can compete on the athletic end and, and still have a great academic experience and hopefully a social experience as well. Uh, what might be your biggest pet peeve? Biggest pet peeve at this point, um, I, I think sometimes we, and this is not just Division Three. I think um, there have been some real changes over the years, that uh, some that I love, but there have been a few that I just, I'm not really sure where they come from. <laughs> I, I bet I could guess on those, but we don't need to get into it. <laughs> um, no, But no. speaking of, you're good with the segues here without even knowing I got next. Uh, what is your favorite rule or nuance to the game? 
you know, I think I think probably the best rule, and it's not a new one by any by any means, but you got to remember how long I've been around this. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love the three. I love the three point arc. Yeah, I think that was that was a rule that's that completely changed the way this game's played. And uh, you know, I for one, I'm a huge fan of that. Oh, okay. Um, any pregame ritual or superstition? Not really. We okay. do everything about the same way all the time. I guess, you know, if you talk to my players, they would say that it's, it's a routine, but nothing that I look at and say, gosh, if I don't do this, uh, it's going to be a bad night. Yeah. Okay. Um, how would your assistants describe you as a coach? Yeah, I think intense. Um, I would hope organized. Um, I'd also like to think very fair. You know, mm. I, I I'm critical of our players, but I'm also very complimentary of them when they do things the right way. And, um, you know, I think that's the balance I've tried to strike over the years. And then finally, when you retire and all good coaches do, what do you hope people will remember about you as a coach? Um, basically just that I did it the right way. You know, I, I've tried to, you know, done this for a long time and, and we haven't cut corners and uh, we've tried to put uh, not just quality quality teams on the floor, but quality people out there that are going to do well with whatever they do when they leave this place. That's a great answer. Thank you, Coach, for taking the time to join us here on the WBCA Center Court. Our tradition on the show is we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I just, you know, I appreciate you taking the time with me this morning. It's uh, it's my pleasure to be a part of this and uh, um Glad you, um, glad you asked me. Absolutely. And glad chatting with you. Thank you, Coach. Take care and good luck. Uh, we know you're on the road for a couple of games, but we wish you luck uh, the rest of the season. We sure appreciate it. Thank you much. Absolutely. Charlie Just from Spalding here in the WBCA Center Court on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Thanks to Coach for joining us. I appreciate him taking the time. It was a uh, great conversation to have with him. 40 years of coaching, obviously a lot of uh, different conversations to be had uh, and experiences. We certainly thought he had a good, uh, he had some good background to, uh, to, to give us, and we enjoyed talking to him. Uh, we accidentally uh, dropped out our simulcast. I apologize to those who may have been watching on Facebook. Uh, please join us on our show page. Well, not that you can hear us, but we hope you'll join on this show page. Uh, basically, hit an accidental button, and we aren't going to be able to get it back, uh, unlike the marathon. Anyway, we're going to take a break. When we come back, switch into men's basketball. We'll talk to the 11th-ranked Swarthmore Garnet. They are having an interesting season. I want to get more about it. Landry Kalsmalski will join us from there. And, of course, we'll still talk to Plattsburgh men's basketball top coach Tom Curl. That's all coming up. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville right after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was Allstate won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built. 
the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you're primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this one. Uh, if you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. There is news in the Centennial Conference that we will get to at the end of the broadcast. There's also a lot of games going on today, and I kind of talking about the Centennial Conference reminding me of that fact. We'll check on scores from around the country, uh, including those top 25 in action. For example, last I checked, MIT and Coast Guard are having a bit of a battle in the men's basketball side, and Muhlenberg on the women's side has a bit of a battle with Gettysburg, which I don't think would surprise that many people. But we'll cover that all uh, in a bit. But first, let's go back to the Hoopsville Hotline and in the Centennial Conference in men's basketball action. It's been an interesting season. Swarthmore came back, certainly uh, strong, as we expected. Um, Franklin and Marshall having a strong season, as we expected. Hopkins has rebounded under a brand-new head coach in Josh Leffler. And the standings find Swarthmore with a game lead on FNM and Hopkins. And Hopkins comes to Swarthmore. I think they come. No, they go to Hopkins, actually, coming up on Saturday. It's a big game. What does it all mean? Well, that's why we have this show. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's a head coach of the 11th-ranked uh, Swarthmore Garnet. It is Landry Kozmalski. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Um, this has been a fascinating season. Uh, I know there's been some voters who really thought highly of you. I know I'm one of those. I didn't know what to make of you early in the season. Saw you in person and was really impressed um, the loss to York, okay. I mean, York's having a pretty darn good season. F&M got you, okay. Maybe the top of the conference should knock each other out, but then Muhlenberg got you the other day in overtime. It, but it feels like it's been kind of an up-and-down season for you guys. You have some interesting results in there, even in the wins. Is it just my point of view on that, or do you guys have a similar point of view? What's what's the season been like from your aspect? Um, I think... Um similar to last season but a little different in that um you know i think we're getting everyone's best shot which mm -hmm. is great um you know it's made us better made us stronger 
Um, but it, it has, I think, at times been a struggle. I mean, a struggle in a good way. I don't, I don't think our guys are down about close wins. It's more just um, sometimes uh, some unexpected strategies we're seeing or, <laughs> you know, some unexpected adversity. So, uh, But overall, I think it's been uh, really good in that way. I don't. I didn't see the McDaniel game the second time around. I know what they did to you the first time. Did they go all small on you the second time around? Is that the kind of stuff you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, really. Well, yeah, McDaniel did something different. Uh, you know, before that Dickinson, before that Halford, yeah. and people just kind of mixing it up. Um, you know, sometimes different than what they normally do. Sometimes different than the first time we played them. So, I think just a lot of adjusting on the fly, which is, uh, you know, I guess you could you could say it's fairly typical, but I think it's even been more pronounced um just as you know people strategizing um second time around when they play us one thing that that came across to me and maybe it was just a circumstance of the game i saw um in that case game cam wiley didn't actually start that game and maybe that changed your your strategy a little bit but it felt like you were very comfortable going deep on the bench and rotating guys constantly even if it meant maybe giving up a little bit of height um with some of your players and, and trading it out for maybe some more of a small forward look is was that is that a fair representation of what you guys are trying to do that going deep on the bench is the plan i see it on the stats i just want yeah. i didn't know if that's plan or if that's circumstance uh definitely planned um and i you know we historically have done that when we can this year you know playing nine guys yeah. uh, not quite equally but a lot you know nine guys all getting a fair amount um, and yeah, we do try to rotate them a little quicker, I think, than most teams, just because we play uh, pretty fast. So, um, but yeah, I think what you saw at the McDaniel game was a is a fair representation of the way we play. Robbie Walsh is your tall guy at six eight, and he's obviously the cog for this team in, in many ways in the way he plays in the interior. Uh, but he doesn't necessarily pour in a, a ton of points. Uh, he scores about nine points a game. Uh, hauls in about uh, six and a half rebounds a game, but he's that presence. It seems that forces everybody to focus on because they can't just let him be open in the paint. Does that help your guards and help your other guys on the outside get open looks? And, and or is it challenging to make sure everybody gets a touch? Um, not really challenging to make sure everyone gets a touch. Just the way we play, it's, we kind of share it. You know, it's very equal opportunity. So it's usually a different guy every night. And we're okay with that. Um, but Robbie, along with our other bigs, I mean, we do really try to balance, you know, going inside versus shooting threes because we do shoot a lot of threes. But we don't just want to pass it around and shoot threes. We want to, you know, we want to get the ball inside. And so um, and I think, you know, we have some, some good bigs that are able to get it inside and either score it or kick it out. Well, Zach Odell's another one, one of your starters at six seven. So when you have Odell and Walsh in there, you've got like twin towers sitting there in the block that you can play off of. But, of course, Cam Wiley's going to get everybody's attention. Uh, at 15 points a game, he certainly is going to draw that. But he also hands it gets four and a half uh, rebounds, and he's your top assist guy. It feels like everything runs through Cam to some degree while everybody else is still involved. That's a, a weird concept, but it feels like that's how you guys try to run things. Yeah, and I'm sorry, I missed that last part. You said about Cam. Can you just repeat that? Yeah, so Cam, everything runs through Cam because he's your leading scorer. He's got the most assists, and he most and he has a lot of rebounds. But you also have a concept, well, it runs through him. Everybody else is still involved, and, and that's sometimes a hard marriage. 
Yeah, and I, you know, if you've seen us play in the past, even before we had Cam, I mean, our, our point guard is uh, pretty important to the way we play just because we are playing fast. So he has mm-hmm. to be a good handler, a good decision maker. So, um, yeah, and, and, you know, with Cam, he's a little more of a scoring point guard than we've had in the past. So it does seem like he has the ball a lot. Um, gotcha. But that's a good thing for us. You know, he make, makes good decisions. You know, he can, he can make shots. And, um, yeah, so we do run stuff through him, but also through anyone who's at that position, really, with our system. When you talk about running fast, uh, where, where does that where does that come from? Where, where's the antithesis of, of that offense originate? Uh, that would be uh, when I played and coached at Davidson yeah. for uh, Coach McKillop. Yeah, that's the, that's the style we've we've kind of always done. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it feels like I know a lot of coaches, most of them will obviously take what their teams do. I heard some coach the other day tell me he had a, a former player who's now head coach in the region against him, and he says, they got to stop doing our stuff. They're doing it better than we do. Uh, I realize that's almost obvious, but sometimes I do know coaches who change things up. Do you ever tinker with it, or do you love it so much that that's the way you want to run it? Uh, I would say both. We definitely tweak it a bit, you know, as, as we have to adjust. But generally, we would be defined, I think, as a as a um, a system team. We do have a system that we run, mm. um, and we've you know that hasn't changed since day one that I've been at Swarthmore so it's um uh, although again you know there's some tweaks along the way but yeah generally we we play the same way almost every game should point out not the system people might hear system and start thinking Grinnell and Merritt Loyola Merritt no you might run but you don't run in the same (laughs) the same way um no no, it's different last season ended in the second round of the tournament against Christopher Newport uh at home I, I realize that you know that was great. You got you guys got to the NCAA tournament. and You had the opportunity, but I have a, a, a gut feeling that's driving this season now. That you need to improve on that now and and improve. This wasn't a one year thing. Um, I, now that you say that, that does make a lot of sense. I haven't really <laughs> thought about it that way. Um, you know, we just we think our team is similar to last year, but also different and. You know, this year is unique. You know, we have different guys, uh, you know, some more freshmen. And, you know, we're just, as, as much as it sounds like coach, coach speak, we are trying to, um, you know, just be ourselves in 2017-18. And I think our team's done a pretty good job of that so far. Uh, you got an interesting finish here. Hopkins, as I said earlier, is is in the conversation now. They've, they've kind of pushed themselves to the top. And with a win over Franklin and Marshall, have tied themselves for second, a game behind you guys. You have to play them at their place uh, at Goldfarb coming up on Saturday. Then you've got Haverford on Wednesday, who's second to last in the conference. And then you'll finish at home against Franklin and Marshall. So two of the next three against teams basically in the top three with yourself. And then Haverford, who's not in the conversation, it feels like this could be a really tricky sequence of games Focus too much on the big ones, and you might forget about Haverford. Yeah, we're not going to forget about Haverford because <laughs> sure. they, um, you know, they we had to win in overtime at their place, a really True. tight game, and we actually got pretty fortunate um, to come out on top. But uh, again, it's going to sound like coach speak, but we're going to take it a day at a time. <laughs> you know, we we're preparing today, and we'll prepare tomorrow for 
Hopkins, and um, it'll be a great challenge to play down at their place. And they've got a great team, very tough team, and it's going to be um, really, quite frankly, a lot of fun uh, to go down there and uh, have a chance to play against a team like that. Yeah, I, was, uh, I should uh, I should follow up with uh, I my next question was going to be I suspect it's one game at a time. Uh, Hopkins is obviously the next one on the docket. Uh, last time you guys played, it was a nine point game at home. How important is this to make sure this conference tournament comes through uh, the the Tarble Pavilion? Um, again, I mean, <laughs> we're not. You know, I told our team before the game last night we. I, I caught myself looking ahead a little bit this week, and that's mm-hmm. something we, you know, we talk about in our program. We don't want to do, and so we really are just like, you know, we have a road test at Hopkins. It's going to be a challenge. We got to get ready. Um, we got to do the things we know how to do, and um, the things we've been doing the whole year. So, you know, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to really, uh, you know, look down the road and get anxious about what's coming. We're just going to focus on the present and try to try to take care of it uh, one day at a time. There's an influx of, for lack of a better description, the old guard is leaving the conference and the, the younger coaches are, are more the ones taking over. Yourself, I'll put you in the young group, um, You know, Josh Leffler now at Hopkins and Muhlenberg with Hopkins, ironically last name, um, the head coach. And now George uh, Gettysburg's announced that Petrie's going to be retiring, which most likely means another young coach will take mm-hmm. over. How, what do you sense in, is there a change of things in the conference or are we going away from what we've gotten used to and now we're going to see a new look to this conference to some degree? Yeah. When you, and you, one you didn't mention is uh, Pat Doherty at, uh, oh, at Hereford. Right. Um, he's, he's done a good job as well. Um, and, you know, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's, he's probably the same all over the country. We've had a, when I first got here, they said, oh, it's always the same in our conference. And I think yeah. the last year or two, it's, there's been a lot of turnover for the Centennial. Um, but I think that's just kind of the timing of things. And, again, I'm sure you see that <clears throat> throughout the country. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see a new coach at, at Gettysburg. And, um, you know, we'll welcome with open arms at the coaches' meeting and then uh, never talk to him after that, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah, I can yeah. totally see that happening. Uh, I know you're not looking ahead, but rankings came out. You're in the conversation, the regional rankings, obviously. Uh, and having a home game for the NCAA tournament, as you guys did have last year, is going to be an advantage and something that's special for the college and certainly important for the program. Without looking ahead, but at the same time understanding all of that, how do you prepare your team to understand that there's more on the line than just either the top team in the conference or or – you know, making sure that you get past this, this opponent. Yeah. Um, I really hope our team has listened to this, which I, which I doubt they're probably studying tonight, but, um, cause, <laughs> at Swarthmore, you know, I'll give about, you that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, what people outside our locker room think we should do or, you know, expectations. And, you know, we just, we really don't concern ourselves with that. I mean, we have 17 people in our locker room, players and coaches, and we're just, Again, I know it sounds boring, it sounds simple, but we're just trying to do it day by day. I mean, we're not really thinking of all the alternate scenarios because if we are, we're really just wasting time. Uh, our, our own uh, mental brain space when we could be you know, getting ready for the task at hand and the challenge to come playing Hopkins on Saturday. So, uh, I, you know, again, I know I'm sounding like just like a 
coach speak again, but I, we really aren't thinking of all the different scenarios because well, we need to, we, we, I mean, we know, and I'm not trying to hedge and not answer. It's just, we know that if we start looking ahead, we're, you know, we're going to be in trouble. Yeah, I can understand that. I, I get that totally. Yeah. Uh, we we just have the questions. I, I'm always fascinated by the answers. Uh, I do appreciate you taking the time. I, I think you've got a fascinating team. One that, uh, as I said to Ryan on a few occasions, I can't seem to get my finger on. I, I can never really figure you guys out totally, but you always come up with results that that, that impress or certainly interest me. So uh, I always enjoy talking to you. I know I, I grabbed some of your time at McDaniel, and I appreciate that. Uh, as always, uh, we, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, you know, I, I would just say all the you know, players and coaches out there as we, you know, enter the stretch run, I think, um, you know, good luck to everyone because it's really a time of year that is um, a lot of fun and a lot of, you know, seniors' careers are ending. And I hope we can all just handle it with a lot of class and, um, you know, everyone end on a high note in their own uh, different ways. So I would wish everyone else, you know, luck, everyone throughout the country. Well, well said, Coach. Thank you for your time. Good luck the rest of the way. We know there's a lot on the line, but I realize you guys might not. Uh, take care. <laughs> Enjoy it, okay. as you said, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate Absolutely. It. Landry Thanks calls. For having me. Bye. Uh, thank you. Landry Kalsmoski joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to chat with us. You know, a different point of view, and that's and you listen, there's a lot more teams out there than you realize who have that same point of view. We may get a lot of coaches who are more than willing to talk about scenarios and talk about what ifs or talk about trying to focus on getting the job done. But there's also just as many coaches out there who's going to have their team focus on just one game at a time, literally, and not looking down the road. And and that's great to have. And we wish uh, Swarthmore luck. <laughs> really interesting set of games up. Again, at Hopkins, who's in second place and now in a position to maybe host, then on the road against Haverford, who took them to overtime last time at Swarthmore. I'm sorry, they're at home against Haverford. It was at Swarthmore, the overtime game. And then at home against FNM, who's also in the same position as Hopkins. So an interesting finish here to see who will host the uh, Centennial Conference tournament. Nothing is for sure. Speaking of the Centennial Conference, and if Coach Kalsmoski is waiting for me, uh, keep waiting. Sometimes they wait on hold. Or I, I'm going to be talking about this topic, so it's going to take a moment. Uh, if you did not see the news on Wednesday morning, Nancy Funk, the former head coach at Johns Hopkins, died overnight Tuesday night. I think it was overnight. I'm not 100% sure. She at least died on Tuesday. Had been battling cancer for two years. She retired uh, in April, um, deciding no longer feeling like she needed to coach. I never got the sense that cancer was part of that conversation or that decision process. Um, I think I've, I kind of remember her having cancer in the past, um, and it may have come back after she made the decision. I don't know all those details, but a loss nonetheless, um, and it was felt nationwide. Uh, Mark Edwards, Wash U's men's basketball coach, making a comment of how much he loved Nancy and, and, and misses her. I remember Hopkins was part of the UAA at one point. And certainly those coaches got to know each other well just in the makeup of how that conference comes together. Um, talking to a sports information director up in uh, north of us, talking about his time at Hopkins and how much Nancy meant to him. She just graduated recently, uh, number nine in the all-Division three win count at 663. Um, she was actually passed for eighth <laughs> this year. 
Um, I coached, uh, I think it was eight seasons, nine seasons at Messiah before going, a Messiah course, her alma mater, before going to Johns Hopkins. Uh, anyway, sudden sudden passing of her. Uh, I know it's felt in the region. Her husband is an official in the region, so it's felt in that impact as well. Maybe not on a national scale for you, but Nancy uh, was an advocate for women's basketball. She was at the forefront of it. She served as the SWA at Hopkins for a number of years. Um, what was it? Uh, served on the national committee for three years, served on racks for six years. Uh, she gave back to the game as much as she got, and it's a tremendous loss. I mean, we, I think I was going to miss her anyway. One of my f uh, favorite people to run into. Going to miss her anyway because she wasn't coaching anymore. Now I'm going to miss her even more. Never going to see her again, which is sad. But the loss of uh, Nancy Funk, dead at the age of uh, 64, uh, former Hopkins and Messiah coach. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up. Or we have Coach Tom Curl to talk about. We're not going to wrap up the show. We'll talk to Tom Curl and then wrap up the show. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More hoops will after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment, the game winning shot that gets you to the dance, a monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening. A little running late, so we'll get going here. Going to move up into the East region, talk Suniac basketball for the first time on the men's side all season long. Plattsburgh State started the season three and four. 
Okay, I didn't think much of it at that point in time. Since then, <laughs> they have won 14 straight and are a completely different team. It is interesting, to say the least, how a difference of one player can make at the same time. Is Plattsburgh just that darn good? I'm not sure. That's why we talked to the coaches. Uh, earlier today, I got a chance to talk to Coach Tom Curl, the men's basketball coach from Plattsburgh, here on the show. Now joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of Plattsburgh, it is Tom Curl. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Oh, thank you for having me, Dave. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Uh, listen, this is a tale of uh, almost uh, one month and the rest of the season. <laughs> it's not even two halves of a season. You guys are 17-4 uh, and four after a 3-4 uh, and four start to the year. you got to be thrilled with this 14-game uh, winning streak. Well, we are, but uh, to be honest with you, it was, it was I don't know about a 14-game winning streak, but, uh, but I knew that we would be much better second semester um, once we got Patron back into the lineup. I mean, he's averaging 21, 22 points, almost 22 points and 11 rebounds a game. You know, any team that takes that out of the lineup is not going to be as good. Yeah. And, when you, and when you add it back in, you become better. Yeah. We'll certainly talk more about him and the rest of the squad in detail in a minute. But you also had, let's be honest, Pretty challenging opening start to the season. You had Keene State, who's been the NCAA darling for the last couple of years. Skidmore in there, who and until of late seemed like a pretty solid squad. Uh, you even had Middlebury on the schedule. Brockport, who's been somewhat good this season as well. It's not like you had an easy stretch that you stumbled upon. You also were playing some really good teams. Yeah, we, we were playing some very good teams. and um, I don't think we were playing particularly well at that point either, but... Um... Uh, they were they were solid teams, and you know that's something we try to do every year. We try to uh, develop a uh, challenging schedule, and in hopes it'll help us to prepare for our conference schedule, which is always obviously very competitive as well. So um, it's it's uh, we've done that since I've been here. And tried to have a uh, competitive schedule. No, absolutely, and we see it all the time from you guys. Looking at the schedule, the uh, you basically played conference games since uh, December eighth. The only non-con was a December thirtieth game against Clarkson. So it, you know it's that usual grind through the Suniac. Usually at this time of year, though, we start to see blemishes. We start to see other Suniac teams able to start no knocking everybody else off because of that grind, because of the fam familiarity. You guys, though, have seemed to be in control. I haven't seen a quote-unquote close game in quite some time on your schedule. What's been the difference, and you mentioned player, but in keeping the whole team focused? Well, last year we did not make the playoffs. Right. And we went in January 0-8 last year. Mm-hmm. And so that's the time, you know, it's, the weather's not always the best in Plattsburgh in January. <laughs> uh, there's no students here, and, and I just don't think we handled it well last year. So these same kids came back, these same players came back, knowing that that was a, a real glitch in their season last year, and it prevented them from making the playoffs. So we started out our season last year 2-7 and seven in, in conference. Uh, since then, we're 21-3. and three. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm real proud of the fact that they really made a commitment that, uh, you know, two and seven, you can go either way at that point. Right. We made a commitment to the to the season that we wanted to get better and that, that we wanted to uh, make a difference. And, we, you know, we ended our season last year nine and nine after a two and seven start, didn't make the playoffs. Um, and, and so I think the kids really were, were very hungry this year and knew the pitfalls that can happen over break, they knew the pitfalls of of having that one day where you you don't 
perform at your optimal level. And so I think that it was, you know, uh, experience that, that uh, negative experience that translated to some uh, positive experience this year. You also had some other challenges, interestingly enough. Uh, in December, you went 21 days between games. Your last game in December on December 9th was against Geneseo in conference play on the road. Then you were at home against Clarkson on December 30th. That's a, a long rest to try and get back up to speed. To be able to, to not stub your toe is pretty important as well. Right. Well, you know, I think it, if you look at scores from from that first couple of weeks back, we were winning, but it, they were, you know, they were really uh, pr- pretty competitive games, very close games. Um, and I think that we were still getting our feet under us uh, and getting used to having a new player, even though he played last year, uh, getting a new player back into the system and, and understanding what his role was going to be. I think that took some getting used to from all the players. And um, once we, once that occurred, I think that's when we really started to play more effectively. Another interesting twist, in you talk about that January in, in tough weather and all that in Plattsburgh, you were on the road for most of that break, seven of nine games on the road. I, I would imagine that in itself, while it can be maybe exhausting for players, is also an incredible bonding opportunity. Yeah, I, I'm glad we had that opportunity to play those road games while there's no students here. Yeah, you know, so uh, we don't we didn't start classes until January 29th. So wow. we had that entire from December 28th all the way through to January 29th. We we're the you know the, the hockey teams and the basketball teams are the only students on campus. So uh, you know it's it's challenging. Yes, um, last year we didn't handle it well. This year we handled it very well, and uh, so I think, like you said, it was a chance for the team to really bond well together and and they're pretty pretty tight-knit group and uh they um you know they really committed to the college now and i I would like to mention that first semester 12 out of our 15 guys had above a 3.0 gpa Mm -hmm. we had five guys on dean's list so that 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 just tells you that they're really committed to representing the college in a really positive fashion and i think that translates to wins as well well, and that translates to commitment uh, to the program and to the college um in a positive white light also yeah hats off to them for that for sure we talk about those seven of nine if we date it back into december back to december 5th you played 10 of 14 on the road, or if that's, I may have done that wrong too, but a lot of road games there. It's benefiting you. We'll talk about what's what you're into now, but a lot of road games, a lot of building of trust and, and bonding amongst each other. A lot of teams, again, that can wear them out, and you guys are just showing it's maybe the opposite. Yeah, well, each game, you know, they – our league is a weekend league, you know what I mean, and each weekend presents new challenges. And I, th- I just think that uh, we 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 understood the pitfalls of it from from not making the playoffs the previous year, and and knew that one game, you know, at nine and nine last year, we lost out on the playoffs to a a, a playoff game or to yeah. a uh, a tiebreaker. You know, we felt as though if we had made it last year, we could have won it. Right. I mean, that's how we were feeling. So we we understand that one game can take you away from all of your goals. And so you have to focus really, really hard on every, every weekend, every game. And, and uh, you know, we, we had that kind of carrot in front of them all the time. This is the game that prevented you from making the playoffs last year. Yeah. And, and during that time when, um, you know, the, the, when we, we were uh, on the road, they always had that in the back of their mind, that that was our goal all along, make the playoffs. That was our goal. We said that we, if you you know, let's not talk about championship right. when we're a team that didn't even make the playoffs last year. So uh, be, 
before we could talk about being really good, we had to talk about being one of the top six teams in our conference first. Sure. Uh, that It starts with the conference, as everyone knows. I, I'll correct myself, 10 of 13 were on the road. And then the flip of that is you started the season three of four at home, but more importantly, you're finishing the season at home six straight games uh, dating back to January 30th, right after school started. Uh, you've won those three. You've got three more to go against Potsdam, Oyana, and New Paltz. Clearly, you had to win the road games to be in position to to get the top, you know, the top ranking in the conference and, and host the tournament. But you also got to win them at home. And right now, you've got a really nice home run here, especially as you said, with students on campus. Right. That's that's really uh, we're we're getting some support now from the community and from the students. I think that always helps. Um, and uh, I I always say this is the time of year where basketball becomes really fun again. There's a grind, you know, as everybody knows that, that plays college basketball. There's a grind. We got through that grind unscathed, and um, now we're at the we're at the point where basketball really becomes a lot of fun again. It becomes energized. It becomes um, enthusiastic for for the game again. And the issue for us is that everybody's enthusiasm and energy is going to come up as well. Right. Going into the playoffs, so we have to take it up to another level again. And, uh, you know, we're talking about a lot of those types of things now that, that now that you are the number one seed in the conference, um, everybody's going to look to you to try to boost their right. resume to get into the playoffs, yeah, you, you know, know, with tiebreakers and so forth. So with three games left. So, you know, we've got we've got the, the target on our back for sure. Yeah, you pretty much wrapped up number one. You're up three games with three to play. Yes, Brockport's one of those behind you, and you've split with them. Uh, Cortland's out of the conversation, but for all intensive purposes, this has been wrapped up. No, it's it's officially wrapped up. Oh, is it officially? Did yeah, they? we've okay. got all the tiebreakers. Okay, there you go. Um, so now, obviously, you don't want to take your foot off the gas necessarily. You're number two in the regional rankings, and we know enough will change between now and next week that we don't know where, where your status will be, but you don't want to lose that foothold either. You're probably going to have a couple of home games in the conference tournament. How do you refocus the guys as saying, okay, we've wrapped up the number one ranking but or the uh, seed in the conference, but we still have X, Y, and Z to now focus on. Don't don't lose your focus. Right. Well, you know, Marv Levy, when he was coaching the Bills, said the best way to motivate players is to get motivated players. <laughs> and I, I believe our players are motivated. Um, I, I think that I believe that they're. Uh, they really believe in themselves and each other. Um, I think that they fully understand their their role with the team. Uh, I I I believe that our team is motivated. We our practices are are competitive still. They're um, you know we're we're still trying to get better every day. And so I I believe that the team will be will stay playing um, at a, at a high level. You talk about at least I hope so. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the plan, right? Um, yeah. Talking about the squad, you you mentioned Jonathan uh, Patron, twenty one point seven points a game in the thirteen that he's played so far, ten and a half rebounds on top of that. Uh, you also have Eli Bryant and Eric Mack who are making uh, important statistical uh, you know contributions, sixteen and a half points for Bryant along with two-and-a-half assists a game. And then you got Mack at 11.5 points a game. Your team's leading block at about two blocks a game, five-and-a-half rebounds on top of that. And we still haven't mentioned Chris Middleton at nine points a game and six rebounds, nine points a game for Nick DeAngelis. Brandon Johnson's got eight-and-a-half points a game. There's a lot of guys who are contributing, and we should point out Middleton and Johnson at two-plus assists a game. A lot of guys contributing outside of Patron, but clearly that's your difference maker. 
Well, you know, anytime, like I said, any, you know, you, you, you mentioned the guys that are scoring and, re, and rebounding and those types of things, but I'll tell you the two glue guys to all of this have been uh, Ian Howard and Zach Coleman, yeah. just on the defensive end. We've, we've held, I think, nine, nine of our last 10, maybe 10 of our last 11 opponents, at least in one of the two halves, under 30 points. And um, Zach Coleman and Ian Howard are, are crucial to that. Uh, Ian Howard's probably the best offensive rebounder I've ever coached at 6'2". Uh, and Zach is a 6'2 point guard that, that has taken on the assignment of guarding the best perimeter players from the other team. So, uh, you know, the, obviously the other guys are scoring. Uh, you talk about Bryant and Mack are the second and third leading scorers on the team. They're, they're doing that coming off the bench. So, uh, you know, you get explosive players like that that accept a role of, of coming off the bench. They're both seniors that are coming off the bench. Um, and, and, you know, that, that, that goes toward that bonding experience and that uh, sacrifice that every team has to have people making. Um, and, and certainly, I, I really think that starts with Zach Coleman and Ian Howard, that all they do is make plays for the team to win, to give the scorers another chance to score, uh, to make sure that the – we're playing great defense, so um, it it really has been. Uh, you know, we talk about leadership a lot, but uh, Zach Coleman, Ian Howard, really have been great leaders of what it takes to win for for guys that can put up numbers. Well, another thing that's interesting too is you're not afraid to go deep in the bench. So these guys all know they've got some type of role that they're going to have to play. You've gone 12 deep in in a majority of your games this season. And you still have four other guys who played in nine or ten games a season. You you will use your bench, and uh, that nope. keeps everybody involved. Right, and you know, and it's it's uh, it, it. I think hopefully down the stretch too that you know our, our nobody's playing thirty minutes a game. Our leading minutes per game players in the conference is twenty seven minutes a game. You know, so uh, Eric Mack is at twelve point in conference only is averaging six rebounds, twelve points a game in, in nineteen minutes a game. You know, so, um, you know, it, it, I believe it's keeping them fresh. I hope, Hopefully it's keeping us fresh and, and as we make our stretch run here as well. In this 14-game winning streak, you've only had a handful of games that have been single digits. Most of these have been double-digit victories, which sometimes can mean, you know, a team can, back to that focus thing, can kind of take their foot off the pedal in the, in the end of a game. How do you keep the guys understanding that there's still work to play? Or is your bench so good that when you bring them in, they're just keeping up the same tempo? I, I think that when we go to our bench, we actually become more explosive offensively. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're able to accomplish that. They're, they, they feel real comfortable in their role. that They can go out and score. Uh, Eric Mack is a... Uh, from a, He's just a phenomenal athlete just in terms of his ability to... He, he's a anomaly for division three i mean he he blocked shots his first five games they were calling goaltends on him and we you know because the refs weren't used to seeing a six three guy block shots above the square <laughs> yeah i wouldn't and, either <laughs> you know and so they were calling goaltends on him i think the word finally got around if you go to plattsburgh this kid's going to block two shots that are going to be unheard of type block uh shot blocks and they're not goaltends um so he, when he comes in he can score but he also you know he protects the rim and and uh, does some things on the defensive end that really are pretty spectacular to be honest with you. And so uh, I think it's it's really about them feeling comfortable with their role. But you know we at the end of the game, you know the, the one game I got mad at some players. We were ahead by a lot, and the guys that were 
freshmen that get in at the end weren't executing offense. I said, this isn't scrub time. This is time to get better. Mm. And so I think that they're, they really have bought into a lot of those types of things, and um, uh, they, we've played well to this point. So, When you talk about um, the, the community and the college are starting to kind of show up, as it were, they're, they know how what things are happening and, and showing up to support you guys, you're starting to get some top 25 attention. You're not in the rankings yet, but you're knocking on the door. You're second in the regional rankings. All of those are things that people will start to notice, and even your own team starts to notice. I, I guess I'm hammering the focus thing here, but what's the message to your team now moving forward with three games to play in conference, all at home, and most likely another handful of games at home trying to get yourself into March? Well, we said earlier that our, our goal was to uh, – Make the playoffs. Yep. And so now, now our our motto kind of has become goal accomplished. Mission begins. Uh, and I'd like to think that now you once you make the playoffs, uh, and now you're hosting the playoffs, uh, semifinals and finals, you can stay on a mission. And and the mission now is to win the conference championship. So uh, you you kind of just change the focus a little bit as you go along in the season. We accomplished our original goal, and, and now we can really get on the mission of talking about conference championships and, and, and playoffs and things along those lines. Well, it's certainly a fascinating season for you guys and certainly have me kind of looking in the corner of my eye going, did, what did I miss over here? Um, quickly about the Suniac, anybody scare you? Everybody in the Suniac scares you. <laughs> uh, fair, fair. Yeah, yeah, everybody. I mean, you know, it's a league that any, any team can beat any other team. There's no question about that. And, uh, you know, so to get, get to the playoffs, and like I said, everybody's going to be energized again. Everybody's going to come in with some uh, real enthusiasm for the game. And, and I think that we're trying to get everybody's best shot. But playoffs is a completely different animal, as you well know. Yeah. And now they're going to come in with, with – uh, Kind of a nothing to lose attitude yeah. in our gym, and so we've got to we've got to pick up our paces as well. Well, coach, appreciate you taking the time to chat about this. Uh, I know you got a busy schedule, so we'll let you go. But good luck the rest of the way. We're we're certainly watching the Cardinals and figure and and fascinating East Region as well. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I just. Uh, I appreciate the fact that we're getting some uh, some attention nationally, but uh, to be honest with you, we're we're going to stay just in the conference. We're going to worry about our conference and trying to take care of our business in that regard. And uh, if we can do that, then uh, we'll the mission will be accomplished. Then then the dream can begin. So uh-huh. we'll we'll take care of it one step at a time, and hopefully uh, we're we're on a, a path toward doing that. Well, I appreciate the time. Congratulations on the season so far. We'll look forward to seeing how it all plays out. Okay, thank you very much, Dave. No problem. Tom Curl joining us from Plattsburgh here on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. And thanks again to Coach for joining us on the show. They've got Potsdam, Oneana, and SUNY New Paltz coming up. All three. Oh, those games at home, they've already wrapped up number one seed. So it's a matter of keeping up the tempo. November what? I mean, they seriously started three and four. They lost to Keene State and Skidmore, then beat St. Lawrence, Fredonia, and Buffalo State before losing to Middlebury and Brockport. That's in the past. 14 straight wins. There is no reason Plattsburgh can't be on a 19- or 20-game win streak when they get to the NCAA tournament. Um, 
they may be a more dangerous team than I realize. I'm not voting for them right now, and right now I'm wondering why I, I why I picked up on some of this stuff late. Uh, Jonathan Patron is <laughs> certainly a factor. Um, we'll see. The Suniac's a little bit down. I will say that this season. I'm not blown away by the by the Suniac. Brockport's there at 15 and six and 10 and four, along with Cortland. Geneseo's 12 and nine, nine and five. Oneana's 11 and 10. Oswego's 10 and 11. Potsdam's 10 and 12. The conference as a whole isn't that competitive this season, but Plattsburgh appears to be playing some pretty darn good basketball. Um, we are keeping an eye on some games going on today. Uh, I want to refresh my screen here. Uh, some games due to weather got postponed. For example, Keene State taking on Eastern Connecticut tonight in men's basketball action, having an eye on that one. York right now is having a battle with Harrisburg. That's at Penn State Harrisburg. It's 44-41, 15 minutes left to go in the second. Keene State and and Eastern Connecticut. Eastern Connecticut's got a six-point lead, about the same amount of time left in the second. They've got a 49-43 lead on Keene State. That one's a fascinating one to watch. Ten seconds left to go in the game, and Coast Guard leads MIT. Remember, MIT... Best I can tell, not playing with, with Joe Mard, I believe I'm saying his name correctly. I never get it right. Uh, and I think it's been a major factor for him. Uh, we will actually dip into this one here and see what we can follow. Oh, there's a timeout, so we'll wait. Um, basically, MIT with this injury is dealing with some problems for lack of a better description. And I'm not sure what to make of it. Um, it, it concerns me <laughs> that MIT may end up having their season essentially kind of fall apart a little bit here because of that injury. He's that significant to the team, and it's it's a little surprising to say the least. Uh, hold on a second. I'm just trying to set this up. They're still in, an over, in, in overtime here. Uh, or not in overtime, I apologize, coming out of a timeout. So we're not missing anything here as of yet. So bear with me as we get this set up for you. But let's tune in here. There may be some audio. I'm not positive. Uh, Coast Guard's inbounding. MIT down one. bring it back here so I can kind of readjust those settings. Um, so surprisingly, um, well, there is a broadcaster. We just didn't hear him, believe it or not. So uh, Coast Guard's going to go shoot with uh, looks like a handful of seconds left. We're just going to keep an eye on this one. Then we'll kind of wrap things up. Uh, again, um, this would be another loss for MIT, who's reeling a little bit without Jamard. Uh, they have they lost to Baps in overtime, barely got past Wheaton in overtime. They are in the threatening to see overtime again here. Um, they now lead by two with free throws to come, so we'll dip in here. We lowered the audio a little bit there to to help us. Barely hear the broadcaster if he's there. So a three-point Lyria, MIT is going to have to hit a shot. They're going to call timeout. Of course, they're going to call timeout. Uh, we don't know their timeout situation, so we'll bring it back here. 
temporarily and, and wait it out. But again, this is an MIT squad that with Springfield, Clark, and WPI yet to play. This is a start of a three-game stretch. And we're going to double-check the live stats. Jomar out. This is a tough spot for them. They The season could kind of evaporate on them. I don't know how badly injured Jamar is, but he's been a pretty integral key for this team. Um, and the ankle injury required a stretcher to, to bring him off. And it's one of those things that worries you. It, it's the worst time injury. And, and you can't – listen, you know, we just talked to Plattsburgh about having Patron out the first set of games – Jamard averages a team high 16.6 points a game, uh, hauls in five and a half, six rebounds a game, hands out six assists a game. That's how integral he is for this squad. As we'll see them now inbound the ball coming out of the timeout. So his his missing is is throwing the engineer season kind of in flux. They gotta get this win over Coast Guard. Shot in the corner, hit the side of the backboard, and that's going to do it. Coast Guard's going to end up winning this game. It looks like they may have called a foul down court. Maybe there was more than 10 seconds left, Jones. Uh, <laughs> so Coast Guard's probably going to wrap this one up. But they had already lost to Springfield earlier. That had, been, that had ended a long winning streak. They won three in a row against Babson in overtime, ironically. Clark and Emerson. Then Babson got them back in overtime, and that was the game that Jamar got hurt. Then they barely got past Wheaton in overtime. Now they've got this game with Coast Guard, and they've got Springfield, Clark, and WPI ahead of them. And Springfield's tied with them in the lead now for the conference. Actually, they're a half game back um, of Babson, and actually they threw the ball away, and the game is over. So, as you can see. So, MIT loses. That's their second loss in three games. And they've still got Springfield, Clark, and WPI ahead. They are now a game back of Springfield and Babson, a game up of WPI, and things have ch totally changed in the new Mac, just like that. Uh, checking in to see if any of you uh, got any questions. I don't see them as of yet. We'll just quickly go through some more scores and double-check some things. Um, on the men's side of things, Susquehanna defeated Catholic. The Landmark Conference is just, oh, crazy. But I think... It's either Catholic or Scranton's going to miss the the, ter the conference tournaments. Catholic now a game back of Scranton. The two of them play each other on Saturday. Uh, Catholic is twelve and ten. Scranton's eleven and eleven. This is just a weird landmark conference uh, this season. Uh, checking out the scores. Utica beat Hartwick. Hartwick's had an interesting season this year. Um, probably not what they expected at eight and fourteen. And some other scores that jump out of me, nothing. Let's check the women's really quickly. Uh, Scranton got past Drew uh, in landmark play. Some of these games were supposed to have played on Wednesday, 165-52, to 52, but the weather pushed that. Gettysburg defeated Muhlenberg, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. That's Gettysburg now with a sweep of Muhlenberg. Yep, they have now beaten Muhlenberg twice. The standings in the Centennial women's race, Gettysburg now 16-1 and with a Game and a half lead on Muhlenberg and Haverford with Hopkins at 12 and 5. And then McDaniel, who was down four at halftime to, to FM, now leads uh, 9 and 8, and Ursinus 9 and 9. So Gettysburg putting their foot down now 20 and 2. They weren't, I don't remember them being all that well regionally ranked uh, on the women's side. I'm going to double check my notes. They were eighth. Uh, now they were 18 and two in the regional rankings, but still, 
Uh, Gettysburg's put their foot down on the conference now and may host this thing with Muhlenberg st- st- struggling twice against Gettysburg and Haverford, who's now 19-4, and four, uh, lost to Gettysburg recently. So Gettysburg in control of, that, of the Centennial Conference. Uh, we were trying to check out Messiah and Widener in women's basketball action, but ironically enough, uh, that game is not showing up where I wanted to look for it for live stats. So we'll check the website. Whoops, I grabbed the wrong one. Let's check it out here. Check the women's side. So Messiah got past Widener 67-51, so no upset there. Um, and I'm just checking to see if there's any other scores. Smith got past Coast Guard 74-50. So that's good for Smith, who's right in the middle of the Northeast region regional rankings. And uh, let's see, trying to find if there's any other scores that might jump out at us that that catch our attention on the women's side of things. East Texas Baptist got past Bellhaven 73-59. Juniata got past Elizabethtown 64-59. Juniata and the landmark women's race is kind of crazy itself. Haverford, we mentioned earlier, actually got past Hopkins 65-47. Of course, Hopkins... Their first game since the news that Nancy Funk died and on the road against Haverford. I'm wondering how much Hopkins may have been a little bit on the emotional side of things there. Certainly understandable. By the way, MIT beat Mount Holyoke 75-15 tonight. Uh, McDaniel ended up being F&M in women's basketball 59-43 in a game that McDaniel was trailing by 4, 24-20 at halftime. So nothing... Shocking there. Back to the landmark women's standing. Scranton at ten and one, Juniata at eight and three. Then it's Catholic and Elizabethtown at tied at six and five, and Moravian and Susquehanna at five and six. Etown may eke this in, uh, but Moravian's going to have to go on a run here to maybe take it away from them. Though Moravian's got Goucher coming up on Saturday, uh, and then they've got Catholic on Wednesday, and then on the road to Susquehanna. So Moravian's. Got a little bit of an interesting test ahead. So an interesting set of results out there tonight. Uh, we're going to double-check, go back to the men's scores, just make sure we didn't miss anything. N- you know, not sure. There's a lot we could make of a lot of things. Um, and the, we'll get new regional rankings next week. That's the most important thing. Eastern Connecticut now in Keene State, a two-point game with uh, 12 minutes left. And Penn, York leads Penn State-Harrisburg by a point with 13 minutes left. Um New regional rankings will come out next week. Of course, they will feature results versus regionally ranked opponents, which is a a bigger indicator for us. It's a lot of data that will be helpful, to say the least. Uh, Someone asked me in the uh, YouTube chat room about the if I watched Whitman Wentworth, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we did. Uh, The key there, he said, hey, Whitman's beatable. I've said Whitman's beatable since the beginning of the season. Well, not the beginning of the season, but I've certainly said that I thought Whitman was beatable. I don't think... I'm surprised Whitman has gotten this far without a loss. Now, they have had to come back. Um, the Ohio Wesleyan game maybe to some doesn't look as stellar as it did in the past. In my opinion, nothing changes about that. Ohio Wesleyan has changed um, dramatically. But Whitman's beatable, and Whitworth could do it again in the conference tournament, though it's going to be at Walla Walla. Um, or the worst-timed one would be a fourth meeting in the NCAA tournament. Now, let's remember something about the NCAA tournament. Right now, one of the interesting caveats and and interesting developments, maybe is a better way of saying it, is what's happening in the South region. There may only be two Texas teams that come out of there with no one else even close to them. 
they're going to have to ship teams around. You're going to have a Skyac team come out. You're going to probably have two Texas teams come out. You're most likely going to have two Northwest Conference teams come out. There, there's scenarios here that they could split Whitworth and Whitman. Now, it is way too early to get into this. But just looking at how things can come together, if they got to ship out the two Texas schools and they have to ship the Skyac team somewhere, well, then there's there may be no point in Whitworth and Whitman staying in the same pod. You're not going to send both Texas schools there. You could send one and could send the sky. I can send the other Texas school somewhere else. I The question becomes, will the NCAA allow them to send Whitman or Whitworth somewhere else and send maybe the two Texas schools to, to – or maybe there's another team out there that's floating somewhere. And so let's see where this develops. There, there could be a way if, 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 if the NCA allows maybe one extra flight. And we've seen some signs in the last year or two that maybe an extra uh, flight could take place. Um, and so maybe we can find a way to split these guys up. I don't want to promise it. It's just, it's interesting to follow and see what gets forced, what gets done. And on that note, we're going to wrap this baby up. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight and enjoying the show. I hope you enjoyed it with us. Uh, lots to talk about, certainly, in Division Three basketball. We'll be back on the air Sunday at um, 7 o'clock Eastern time. A reminder, next Thursday will be a podcast version, non-live, due to other um, requirements on my part. So look out for that. It will not be a video-based. It will be audio-based only, and we'll release it at the latest 7 o'clock, but sometime uh, that day it will be released. And then we'll be back in our swing of things on Sunday. Uh, reminder, next regional rankings come out next Wednesday, so we have a little bit of time. We still have a top 25 to come out here on uh, Monday 1st. And please remember, everybody out there, the top 25 has nothing to do with regional rankings, okay? I, I know a lot of people think it does. It does not. Um, and just as regional rankings don't necessarily have anything to do with those top 25 or how voters vote in the top 25, just because one team's higher than the other and either one of them doesn't mean it should be in the other as well. Let's keep that in mind. I want to thank Ryan Gould from Trine, Michelle Ferenc from Whitman, Charlie Just from Spalding, Landry Kalsmalski from Swarthmore, and Tom Curl from Plattsburgh, and, of course, their sports information directors and departments for their help as well. You've been watching Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. I want to thank our partners at D3Hoops.com, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches, and the City of Salem for their part in our show. And thank you for tuning in as well. We'll be back on the air Sunday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time, as we said. And, of course, if you want to reproduce any of this broadcast, you got to check in with me. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I appreciate your uh, fandom. Apparently our broadcast was cut off by the time it got to the end. So thank you for tuning in. We'll see you back on Sunday.